0: Or they... try to...
1: What's up, everybody, and welcome to Anime Baby, where it takes an idiot to do cool things. I'm your host, Mikey, and I got no self-control, like a horny boy. And not, not really, though. And joining with me, as always, is...
2: Oh, the Fooly Curious, grin. Curious Grin,
1: your co-host, Ryan. And in our first proper episode, we're talking about both, that's right, both of the new seasons of Fooly Cooly. But before we get right into that, let's get you up to speed. The original Fooly Coolie, which I'll be referring to as Fooly Cooley Classic, is a six-episode OVA series produced by Studio Gainax and Production IG, and directed by Kazuya Tsurumaki. The series came about after Gainax finished production on End of Evangelion, and as Tsurumaki and his staff were just so burnt out on working on it, they just wanted to do something to blow off some steam, and understandably <laughs> so.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, the, after such a depressing ride there, I'm sure they had to, like, Go free, go
1: loose, and uh, just kind of do something a little more fun, right? Because like he just basically spent several months working on what was basically one man's middle finger to his own fan base.
0: Yeah,
2: just watching one man slowly like de- like just decompose as he's like getting depressed and writing like the be-all end all of the series, although well, it really wasn't. No. And then, and then like, looking at that and thinking, like,
1: wow, our lives are so much better than that. Let's make something that can reaffirm that. Let's make something fun. So Coolie Classic revolves around an average boy named Naota who lives in your typical, ordinary, uninteresting suburban town. Then one day, out of nowhere, a mysterious and odd woman named Haruko literally comes crashing into his life as she runs him over with her Vespa and then hits him over the head with a bass guitar El Kabong style. And since then, uh, horns start sprouting out of his head, which then turn into giant robots that begin to wreak havoc all over town. Oh, it's so much fun. It is, uh, do you know the whole uh, where the whole guitar over the head came from? Oh, where did that come from? I don't know if I ever learned that. Uh, I believe it comes from like a song. I uh, think Tsuramaki uh, was listening to where it talk where there was a lyric that says, uh, "You want to get hit in the head by a girl with a guitar." <laughs> okay, that's just about
2: like where That's like Araki. Those are like Araki levels of like musical inspiration in your anime slash manga, right there,
1: right. And the robots themselves come from an iron-shaped factory owned by a mysterious group called Medical Mechanica, and they come out of Nauta's head through an NO portal, which was opened up by the uh, guitar shot. And from then on, it just gets more and more and more insane from there.
2: Yeah, we just kind of went over the basics there, but even I noticed that kind of trailed off into, like, the weird and unexplainable right there. It's a very... Weird series to dive into.
1: It is, and, like, in all this craziness, the series does have, like, a whole theme of a coming-of-age coming, coming of age story underneath everything, which is meant to represent all the awkwardness and weirdness that comes with adolescence and growing up. It's a little hard to read between the lines for that, but trust us, it is there. It is there. Uh, The series was released in Japan from April 2000 to March 2001, one episode at a time every couple of months or so. So you would have one episode this month, then a couple months break, and then you would have uh, another episode there and so on and so forth.
2: I believe it, it looks like all the work really reflected in there too.
1: Yeah, and like how each episode was like very much condensed, it was almost like little uh, 30 minute movies released every, every couple of months
2: but god it was worth it though we got some amazing animation in those episodes oh just
1: gorgeous stuff
2: and even some parts and even some parts where they just gave up and just animated south park <laughs> right because they wanted
1: to <laughs> because why not <laughs> because why not it's fully cooly. we can do what we want then in 2003 august 2003 it came over to the united states premiering late night on adult swim <laughs>
3: Nothing really
4: special ever happens here. In this place. School sucks. My dad's a weirdo. And there's my brother's girlfriend. I don't even know what to say about her. Anyway, life was pretty slow.
0: Until she came along.
4: Next thing I knew, I had things coming out of my head. It's weird, not normal, these horns sticking out. And I had a robot living in my house. And well, a bunch of other weird stuff. this! I don't care!
0: But that alien girl, she's kind of cool, I guess. Don't lie, you like her. Whatever, it's really not that big a deal.
1: To and I saw it the night it premiered. No joke. Mmm, it took me some more years before I would see it
2: fully, but oh my god, to be there for when it, like, debuted, I could only imagine what that felt
1: like. Okay, so just, like, picture in your head me, a little eight-year-old Mike Jr., staying up <laughs> late at night in my room. I did have a TV at the time in my room, and I was just flipping through channels, and I just had on Cartoon Network, which does help me fall asleep. And then I just see this show that i haven't i didn't even know what the title was at the time and i'm just like what the hell is this <laughs> there's this robot's woman with pink hair with a guitar riding on a scooter what, what is going on your
2: young little mind getting addled as you watch fully <laughs> half
1: awake just like it must have it must have felt like a fever dream oh man i do remember actually having some weird dreams that night <laughs> And just, like, I, I even remember, like, watching it throughout the entire run, just, like, tuning in late at night going, like, okay, is that weird show gonna pop on again? And, like, finishing it up, and it's just, I, it just was an insane, insane experience there. Yeah, it kept you glued, it kept you, like, coming in constantly. And the thing is, like I said, I didn't know what the show was called, so after, like, I finished watching it during that initial run... I kind of forgot about it, but it was, like, years later, it just kind of, it lingered in my head a little bit, going like, ah, man, what was that one show? What was the deal with that whole thing with, like, the woman and the guitar and whatnot? And then, like, uh, when I rediscovered it, it was through, uh, Lucky Star. I was watching the show through the English dub, and I was just thinking, like, okay, I want to see who's in this show, just to, like, get a feel of the cast, and, uh, of course, Kagami is played by Kari Walgren, Now I was just like, okay, who's, uh, what are some of her past roles? And then I was just, like, flipping through, like, uh, Wikipedia, and I saw the saw this, uh, one of the titles, huh, Foolie Cooley, huh, weird. Clicked on that, and then I just saw the image, and I'm just like, that's it! That's the show!
2: <laughs> all these years, and I finally
1: found out the show! You're like an
2: archaeologist who just, like,
1: found the work that will, like, complete his life. <laughs> yeah. And then from then on, I went to rewatch it again and again, and just, it all went from there, just me growing more appreciative of this really insane show
2: yeah I think I think it was somewhere in like the 2010s I want to say where I first saw it like growing up I had always seen like weird images of it watching uh, Adult Swim as a young kid but I never actually got into it or really like bothered to find out more about it it all it-, it was almost like a legend to me almost like growing up like what is this like weird anime that keeps like popping up every now and then on like Toonami and Adult Swim they keep kind of referencing back to it a little few times well, it finally took till about, like, the 2010s or so for me to actually, like, you know, buck up and, like, go and track it down and look for it and watch it. Especially when I saw other people talking about it online and sort of, like, reviewing it. And sure enough, got into it, and uh, it's a really boss show. It is. <laughs> oh my god, the the animation, juicy. The action, satisfying. The soundtrack, Total headbangers all throughout. There's so much to like about the series. And a lot of like, um, sort of like adolescent teenage angst subtext you can like read into it as well. Uh, it's a, a coming of age coming of age is a term that describes it quite quite well and I would recommend anybody who's kind of in their like preteens or going into their teens to uh, check it out because it's a real blast.
1: It is. It's like you, you hear a lot of people talk about it, saying that with all the substance of the show, you can teach a class on it, and, like, I believe them. You can totally, like, teach an entire, like, college semester course on, like, what is Fooly Cooly. Teach a sex ed course with it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I believe that. <laughs> You're right. Uh, so when making the series, uh, Tsurumaki set out to break all the rules of anime, and one of the ways he did so was bringing on the band The Pillows to do the music. You know, choosing a Japanese rock band to provide the soundtrack for an anime was seen as out of the ordinary at the time. So the Pillows is an alternative rock band that formed in 1989. The name comes from when the uh, members were just hanging out, and one of them saw a record hanging on the wall entitled "Pillows and Prayers," and that inspired the name. Really, that's it? Yeah, they just like saw that and just thought like, "Oh, we're gonna call ourselves the Pillows." It's like boom—that's her name.
2: <laughs> I just thought maybe they thought like they, they were gonna like their music would be like pillows, just like around, over the faces of people, like suffocating <laughs> them with music. <laughs> Um, oh man, they should have Or is that just that. me? Or
1: is that just me? Uh, bit of calm A, bit of calm B.
2: <laughs> Don't ever ask me to come up with a band name if we decide to start one. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be awful.
1: They were pretty much an underground group until about uh, 10 years after starting the band. They were approached by Gynex to do the soundtrack for Fooly Cooly. At first, they were a little unsure about doing the music for an anime because it was out of their comfort zone, and they almost ended up turning them down. They ended up changing their minds and licensed songs from three of their previous albums to use in the show and even produced two original songs, "Ride on Shooting Star and I Think I Can. Since then, their popularity has skyrocketed, especially in the West, and are still releasing albums to this very day. Overall, they released uh, 21 albums and 35 singles. So uh, what are are some of your favorite uh, Pillow songs?
2: Oh, let's see... I suppose if there's just, like, one I can name, honestly, it's, like, White Ash. (laughs) That one's got, like, a riff going in it that's just, like, an absolute headbanger. Every time they say, like, White Ash in that, it's just, like, I just can't, like, I cannot help but, like, throb my head back and forth to that song.
1: Nice. Uh, As for me, uh, I really have a soft spot for the song My Foot. It's just... It's just a really feel-good song that you want to listen to and just walk around outside on a really nice day and just enjoy life. Right. Oh, I have some uh, fun pillows facts that I found while researching them. Uh, just a couple here. Dang, you really got into this. <laughs> I really did. <laughs> in 2008, the band Oasis had a concert in Japan and they offered the pillows to be their opening act, but the pillows turned them down. The reason for this is because frontman Sawo Yamanaka wanted a funny story to tell.
2: <laughs> I commend him on that. Turning down Oasis, man, just to have a good story to tell afterwards. Well, hey, maybe it was for the better. Oasis didn't really turn out well, that's for sure.
1: <laughs> Today is gonna be the day that the pillar's gonna turn down you. <laughs> <laughs> Even better diss.
0: <laughs> no. The Pillows would be proud of that one.
1: And uh, in 2010, they released the song Rodeo Starmate, which was used, I shit you not, as the second opening for the Stitch anime. Really? Yeah. Are you freaking kidding me? I solemnly swear, this is the, the absolute truth. (laughs)
3: <laughs> How does
2: that even happen?
1: <laughs> Just like, hey, do you want to use your song for uh, this anime based on a Disney movie? Uh, Go for it.
2: Maybe they were just thinking, like, oh, well, it's 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 really loved by Westerners or something, and Stitch is really loved by Westerners, so, like, let's kind of do, like, some synesthesia right here.
1: So, in September of 2015, Gynex announced they were selling the rights to Foolie Cooly, and soon after, Production IG snapped them right up. Then, in March 2016, it was announced that Adult Swim and Production IG were working together to produce two new seasons of Foolie Coolie for Toonami, uh, do you remember this whole thing, like, happening, like, from the moment uh, Gainax sold the rights to when they announced it? When I mean, was that? When did that sale take place? Uh, September
2: 2015. Oh, September 2015. Well, I mean, Gainax was kind of, like, going to be doing fuck all for, like, the next few years. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think around that time, like, the only notable work they ever produced was, like, Medaka Box. And, mm-hmm. like, it just looks like shit. <laughs> it, it, it is. So, yeah, that turned out to be a pretty good move. I mean, let's not let a good thing die here, you know?
1: And I remember when they announced they were making the new season, it was right when we were uh, getting ready for an anime detour that uh, that coming April, and we were doing the Toonami panel for the very first time, and I was, like, all set and ready to go. I had the entire panel, like, set up, and then they announced this, and I'm just like, okay, I have to, like, put this as a part of the panel, us talking about Cooley getting announced. Oh, yeah,
2: they really pulled a fast one on us there, like, yeah. really just, like... Just dropping like some info that we couldn't even like react to fast enough. Like, you really threw our whole panel off that time, you know?
1: Yeah, I even remember like Adult Swim actually releasing a little uh, bit of a promo at the time where it was just a quote from the original series all you have to do is just swing the bat and then they just play Ride right on Shooting Star and then uh, that was the whole promo. As for the series, Katsuyuki Motohiro serves as the uh, chief director for both Progressive and Alternative. And in Progressive, each episode is handled by a different director, just like Fully Classic. Though uh, Kazuto Arai, the Uh, Episode 1's director oversees the series composition and its uh, general flow, while Alternative was directed by Kiyotaka Suzuki and Yutaka Umihara, and they handled the entire thing.
2: Oh, yeah, like, knowing that, like, that really does, like, show in, like, each of the series.
1: So uh, both seasons were being done by mostly new staff, and the only returning member was uh, Suramaki himself, but in a more supervising role. He's just basically there to give uh, references on the setting and the world building.
2: Oh, Okay, so already what we're working with here is like people that didn't really like have anything to do with like the original, except for like one guy.
1: Right. Like the reason for this is because Tsurumaki wanted to see how a new group of people would interpret the world of Fuli Kuli.
2: Okay, that's actually a pretty good reason, actually, to kind of bring on some new staff members. Compare that to, like, the West, where, like, if you want to make any money on, like, bringing back a series, you got to bring back everybody who worked on the original, nearly the entire crew. I would say roughly, like, 70% or something. Right. Because you want it done right, and if you don't do it, if you do it right, you get, like, Samurai Jack, mm-hmm. the, the final season. If you're doing it wrong, you're getting, like, Powerpuff Girls 2016. <laughs> <laughs> like, am I wrong... Am I wrong? Is it not proportionate to, like, how many people they get back from the original?
1: No, you're not wrong. I rest my case. And the English dub for both seasons are directed by the team of Stephanie Shea and Michael Nicholas. So with all that out of the way, we're talking Fooly Cooly Progressive and Fooly Cooly Alternative. So without further ado, let's start the show. There's
3: nothing I want to be. There's nothing I want to do.
4: to kill you to have even the tiniest reaction.
0: Morning! Mm-hmm. Good
3: morning, Hidomi!
4: When you hit pause on the world like that, your body will slowly start to rot away. I suppose I'll just have to bust on in. Where is she? The one who pulled that out of you!
3: You can't escape me! This is a matter between you and me, so don't lay a hand on her! i did I think I'm
2: Oh, this girl packs a punch like a shooting star.
3: The world must be destroyed before it can become beautiful.
0: Guess that's what they call adolescence.
1: Off with Fooly Click Progressive, Episode 1, Restart. Kick off in a city turned to ruins and covered in white ash as we meet our lead for the season, Hidomi Hibajiri, played by Xanthi Wynn, as she walks through the destruction while slowly decaying herself. She gives a narration about how the world must be destroyed before it can become beautiful. Everything around here is ordinary and nothing amazing ever happens around here.
2: Okay, so already we're starting off with like some pretty apocalyptic looking imagery right here.
1: And all set to the song uh Thank You My Twilight, which is a great song. Oh, it's freaking
2: gorgeous. Seriously, like after all these years, the the pillows can still pull off great music. That
1: that alone
2: impresses me. And they're like old timers now
1: too. Oh god, do you like have you seen like uh videos of like their concert at Comic Con, like their drummer especially looks super old, man. They all
2: kind of let themselves go a yeah.
1: But my god, can they still belt out the jams? I- I'm very impressed. When uh, recording the music for, uh, Uh, these two seasons like they're all their old songs but they all re-recorded them just for progressive and alternative and they released an album on iTunes recently. Oh
2: really? That's quite nice of them. Yeah.
1: So during the the sequence uh, Hidomi sees an army of medical mechanica irons coming towards her as she runs away coming across an eye of a giant monster which causes the horn on her head to grow and form robotic armor similar to a certain other robot we know but a lot more high tech. The robot suit attacks the irons when Hidomi wakes up as this all was a dream great way to start off this new season here.
2: Yeah, not too bad. Although, uh, Dume, you're kind of pulling out the carpet there with, like, the dream sequence there. Mm -hmm. You're really making us, like, you know, get our hopes up high here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, Hidomi gets ready for school and we get to see a bit of her home life. She lives with her mom, Hinae, played by Julianne Taylor, who runs a small cafe out of their home. like, very nice little setting here. So, oh, notably, absence is the uh, father. Yeah, very much so. But uh, her mom doesn't mind. She's very, she's very upbeat and perky. You know, wanting to have her daughter say good morning while brandishing a butcher knife in front of her. Like, she isn't threatening her anyway. it's just like, just settle down there, mom. Just, you might want to watch what you're holding there. Don't get too peppy there, don't want like a nearly headless daughter now. So yeah, as for Hidomi herself, she's uh, very quiet, comes off as emotionless in contrast to her mother. It's kind of a similar dynamic to Naota and his like weird beatnik dad from the original series.
2: Yeah, it is kind of a bit. Although she does noticeably show a little less like uh, emotion than him, though, because mm-hmm. like Nauta, the one thing you could always say is that like he was like a grumpy
1: old man. Yeah, he was. He, he's a bit of a wiener, in all honesty. Yeah,
2: he is. He's a little bit like whiny, you know. But honestly, uh, no, I don't. I don't mind
1: this like uh, new character we got here, though. And uh, unlike uh, Nauta's dad, uh, Hidomi's mom is in uh, selling old bottles of Crystal Pepsi on the side. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Then again,
2: we don't really have anything today that could really be compared to something like that you know there wasn't any kind of like crystal pepsi or new coke at the time <laughs> for us to like really like pimp that out right i mean maybe i guess you could like pimp out i don't know like bakugan battle brawlers or something <laughs> like. yeah. no that was beat on battle brawlers right. sorry <laughs> some useless crap you can like hawk on people that was popular
1: at the time you know <laughs> so Hidomi heads to school and uh, we meet a few more characters Ko Ide played by Robbie Damon as he's bragging to his friends, Mori played by John Allen, and Marco played by Yuri Lowenthal, all about how their teachers spent the night with him last night at his place. Oh
2: yeah, some independent teaching lessons. Yeah, just
1: a little after school study session
2: <laughs> <laughs> No, but Robbie Damon, honestly, he, he made a very good first impression on this series
1: Oh, he's a lot of fun, like uh, in the build up to uh, the series they did a little behind the scenes videos and we actually get to see him recording. He was just a joy to watch recording for Ide and like just the brief moments we saw in those videos. My god man, you can do
2: Tuxedo Mask and you can do Gorovakechi. My god man, you're really keeping up with this.
1: Also Ide, uh he uh, seems to have a peculiar bandage on his forehead. Looks a bit familiar there. Oh yes, very familiar. Will
2: that come up later?
1: Oh, you know it will. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and also during this conversation, uh, they discuss Mori coming to school in a skirt. It's unisex, and it's fashionable.
2: (laughs) It's such a weird, like, tangent. It is. I've never seen anyone have this conversation in real life.
1: It is, but you know what? I kind of of appreciate them uh, portraying a character, cross-dressing, picturing it as, like, a very normal thing.
2: Yeah, but but also having some fun with it, like, yeah. it's just like, like, can you at least, like, put your, like, skirt down or something? I could see your briefs. Yeah. Hey, they're panties.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Have a little skirt etiquette, man.
2: Exactly.
1: <laughs> so, uh, their teacher arrives, sounding awfully familiar, and it's time for today's lesson porn! (laughs) (laughs) Just starting right off with the uncomfortable. So, like, she has all the students line up against the wall, and, like, one at a time, she just shows them a bunch of different porn videos just to gauge their reaction. And, like, the best is, like, she has Hidomi up there, and she's just just sandbagging the entire thing, just, like, no-selling, watching people fucking right in front of her on a computer screen. I
2: commend her right there, because if it were me in that situation, I'd be laughing my ass
1: off. (laughs) (laughs) Would it kill you to have the tiniest reaction to this? (laughs) So, uh, after that, back at home after school, Hidomi and her mother are closing down the cafe for the day as they see the Medical Mechanica building in the distance. Oh, I should probably mention that this uh, season takes place in the same town as the original series.
2: Oh, really? Yeah. I, I guess it is a little hard to
1: see in parts and stuff, but uh,
2: no, I guess it is there.
1: Yeah, Mabase. That's the name of the town. Oh, okay. Yeah, so as they look on at the Medical Mechanica building, Hidomi's mom wonders where he is right now. He, of course, being Hidomi's dad and thinks, maybe it's time to move on, you know, he's probably never coming back. But uh, before you think too much about that, Hidomi gets run over by a woman in a convertible. (laughs) (laughs) Just bam, right in the head and just (laughs) ran across the street. It's like, you know, you had to get run over by a Vespa and it's like, okay, it's this tiny little scooter. That's fine, but, like, a full-on vehicle comes blaring down the street and just knocks her halfway across down the road. I guess they
2: figured they needed something bigger, more
1: imposing. They could probably, like, take your head off if it went by too fast. (laughs) Yeah, it gives a good effect. So, Hidomi gets sent flying, and her cat ear headphones get knocked off her. So, we're introduced to the woman who was driving the car, Julia Jinyu, played by Allegra Clark, as she goes to check on Hidomi. I love this line here. Unfortunately, ma'am. Your daughter is going to be totally fine. That's unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> okay, like, I, I,
2: I love the I love the sort of, like, dead pen she gives here. It makes for a very good contrast for what's to come.
1: So she gets a good look at Hidomi's headphones. As it turns out, they actually don't play music or anything. They're just cosmetic for the most part. And uh, Hidomi's very uh, protective of, of those headphones. And when asked where she got them from, she just says they're a gift. But we can uh, probably assume that they're probably from her father.
2: Probably got them at, like, some cosplay store in the U.S. <laughs> well, I mean,
1: like, I think I've seen those at, like, conventions, like, before the show even premiered. There are. There's, like, if you look on Amazon.com, you can just, like, type in cat ear headphones. You can find a bunch of them. I know. You can find
2: a pretty good, like, facsimile of, like, how they are in the show.
1: Apparently, that was actually a big controversy going into the series, because apparently one of the uh, makers of these uh, headphones actually almost uh, sued uh, the people behind <laughs> fully fully for 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 use of their uh, designs really
2: like come on i mean maybe at the least you could put like some sort of like i don't know label on there or something or it's like whatever like i i just think to myself like look people are going to be looking for this for cosplays anyway and stuff who cares if they don't put the label on there they're probably going to go out and find one and it's probably going to be one of yours so what's the complaint
1: oh and uh, speaking of cosplays you can actually uh find pictures online of uh hidomi's actress santi win cosplaying as hidomi with uh, complete with the headphones
0: oh cute yeah
1: they're very nice so uh, Jinyu yu uh, heads out, but before she goes, she does warn Hidomi to watch out for a woman on a Vespa. So later that night, uh, Hidomi's sitting in her room as images flashes from her dream that night, and the medical mechanic, a siren, goes off. So she goes out uh, to take a look, and she gets meets face-to-face with a giant robot that proceeds to attack and chase her. Oh, and a really
2: well-animated, like, chase sequence as well. Oh my
1: god, it's so good. And during that chase, uh, the robot uh, happens to have Ide and flings him right at Hidomi, which leads him to, like, spike first into a ground like a javelin. <laughs> or like uh, Rob Van Dam selling a DDT. Yeah, they're really trying to, like, ramp up the uh, action, at least for this first episode, to really kind of hook you in. So they're running away, and uh, Ide says the uh, robot came from his head, so that explains the uh, bandage from earlier. So they try to hide out in the uh, junkyard, but the robot ends up finding them. Ide tries to protect Hidomi, but ends up getting hurt in the process, which causes her uh, forehead to start glowing. Maybe she's uh, starting to overflow a-, a bit here, seeing Ide knocked out.
2: Like, well, will admit mean, the, the sort of overflow this series around is a little more, um, I would say, destructive side, definitely. Sort of, like, coincides with the sort of apocalyptic power that she has, uh, seen in her dreams.
1: Yeah, and also how, like, very kind of morbid she's feeling at this moment, just brought on by, like, what happened to her in the past. But, uh, Jin-Yu comes in to save the day and, uh, takes out the robot with a good guitar shot to the head. And she does take Ide home to, uh, tend to his wounds. But before she leaves, she, uh, says to Idomi, that thing looks good on you." That thing being a horn sprouting out of her head, just like the one in her dream.
2: Better try and, like, shave that off or something, like Hellboy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She does manage to do something with it, as she does have a bandage on her forehead the next day. And also the next day, it's revealed that Jinyu will now be working part-time at the cafe with her mom in order to uh, keep an eye on Hidomi.
2: And yet break all the
1: plates in, like, the process. (laughs) Just, he's, like, just trying to wash them. And she just smashes them. It's like, just do it delicately.
2: Does she know she's doing that? (laughs) Or is she just
1: doing that to, like, increase the time that she can spend there? (laughs) So, uh, they head to school that day. And we get the reveal of the teacher's true identity.
4: Today. As you start on your understandably disastrous day as modern day youth, I as someone who is the clear winner in life structurally would like to present to you something very important. The this and that on how to live in this universe. You will be tested on it, in so much as every day in itself is a test. Yes, you over there. Uh... Wrong answer. I figured out something recently. Instead of preparing a concrete answer to random questions, I have come to the conclusion that there is no real way to live. Not for those of you who exist contently by only jerking your animalistic sexual urges to fulfillment, and you who have absolutely no skill to convince us otherwise. I gave so, so much, but there was very little output. I have no use for the tiny pieces of scumbugs that have been toyed with. Listen to your teacher. I have no desire for all of you to wind up as non-existent youth. What I want is for all of you to become adults on a cosmological scale. You don't need wings to venture out into the universe. Who would ride a four-wheeled car with wings anyway? You must not become that kind of adult. Do you understand me? You do not need four wheels. You only need two! Like a bottom-feeding fish in a pond, gathering underneath a weeping willow tree. There is a lot of gravity underneath all of you. dummy. me, are you must conquer it? Do I rather you so stand up? Be as adequate as you can!
0: A complete mess! Born to be mild! Yeah! <laughs>
2: Here. haruko is back baby I gotta admit like her ranting like ramp up to it like really makes it <laughs> just the build and build is it
1: is it I know it is but oh uh, yeah
2: oh god like he told me looking through her like phone too and seeing like all like the texts that are coming in saying
1: great intro great and uh once again played by Kari Walgren doing an amazing job how oh, could anybody else do this job though? No, no one else.
2: Plus, like, she's still in her prime, too, as far as, like, acting goes, so, Mm -hmm. you know, why not bring her back?
1: Also, fun fact, this was her, uh, first big anime role. Yeah, the
2: original Furukule?
1: Yep, in the original.
2: Oh, yeah, then she could definitely come back and do it. If it's your first role, then, like, yeah, God
1: knows you'll come back and do it. Plus, it must have felt great just coming back to this character after like, what, nearly 15 years or so? And she hasn't missed a beat with, like, Haruko either, too. No. Almost like she recorded the first series yesterday. So we're on to episode two, Freebie Honey, open with another creepy dream as uh, Hidomi's a zombie. I like how it's done in a documentary style where like a more uh, cheerful Hidomi is doing like a bit of a narration there. (laughs) She's just describing very happily zombie versions of all the people she knows just like devouring each other. Oh, that's it. No more George A. Romero movies before bed. So at school that day, the entire class minus Hidomi is under some sort of mind control by Haruko as Haruko brings out like a yearbook and like it's all filled with memories, but it's all just like really crude crayon drawings and everyone's going like oh yeah remember remember that time when she won the baseball tournament or remember that time when we uh used the entire school as like a bonfire
2: (laughs) (laughs) oh those were good times setting the school on fire good times
1: wonderful times
2: mikey don't you remember how we used to set our our old high school on fire oh god those were just uh Brings a tear to my eye. Oh my god, and the food fights, and like, the band fights, like, we literally literally put the marching bands out in the field and we just massacre each other with our, like,
1: instruments. Oh god, remember when uh, one of our classmates went out to the crowd and said, Are you not entertained?!
0: Memories makes me want to go
1: back there. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Ide's not in uh, class today, as he's still uh, injured from the other day. So, Haruko catches up with Hidomi in her, in the hallway, still on her Vespa. I just, Hidomi's just casually walking down the hallway, and then Haruko's just on her Vespa. He went, <laughs> just coming on by. I love how she's driving around her, and she still manages to use the turn signal. So, when she, like, switches sides, she just, like, puts on a turn <laughs> signal and goes to the other side. Man, you gotta be courteous when you're in, like, a school. Cool, you, know. you know follow the rules so she asks Hidomi to take some uh, homework to Ide since he's absent today and why her because they're so close at least that's what she assumes so Hidomi heads over to Ide's house and uh, she manages to come across the uh, robot from the other day who's now working as a crossing guard for like some kindergartners because <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty easy to get employment if you're like a giant tentacled robot out in this area I wonder if Medical Mechanica has good references Hmm, I know you should really hit them up
2: for that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so she keeps going to where Ide lives, and it turns out he lives out in the slums while walking around just, like, seeing just a bunch of, like, homeless people and just these destroyed shanty towns here. Just, oh, my God. An old man coming
2: by, just being all like, My, you've got the fists of a champion!
1: Yes, uh, this old guy, one of the regulars at the cafe, who uh, wears an eye patch, played here by J. David Brimmer, he, like, proposes a job to her, but, like, uh, Marco and Morty are there to save the day and get him to leave her alone. <laughs> So Morty leaves uh, Hidomi to Ide and reveals that he works slave labor in a junkyard just to make ends meet. <laughs> Rewatching this again, I, I kept thinking to myself, like, this looks
2: like the start to a gay porn. <laughs> 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 Big burly men
1: and, like, like, just white wife beaters and stuff whipping each other, like, oh my god. <laughs> Do you love the scene where, like, Ide falls to the ground and then he just rips off his jacket, like, <laughs> and goes back to work, like, oh my god, this kid is actually kind of jacked. Episode ghostwritten by Gengoro Takame. <laughs> <laughs> and when he's not hauling junk around, he's trying to sell it, but in doing so, he gets hassled and beaten up by a thug. In the Japanese version, the thug is uh, speaking English to him, whereas in the dub, he's speaking Japanese, complete with subtitles. <laughs> okay, that's a clever little way to kind of switch it around there. To which I say, see you happy now, Weebs? There's your subs on Toonami. <laughs> Eat your heart out. And seeing Ide get his ass kicked causes uh, Hidomi to uh, have a nosebleed and nearly uh, pass out by uh, overflowing, so Ide seizes and carries her back to his place to tend to her.
2: I mean, when you, if you, to have looked on something like that, like... <laughs>
1: you, <laughs> you, Anybody would think, like, oh, this is the hottest shit I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> Not gonna king-shim you, Hidomi. <laughs> back at his place, Hidomi's now better, and Ide takes the opportunity to awkwardly ask her out, but uh, she turns him down. Or does she? It sounds like she uh, accepts uh, the invitation, but it's actually just Haruko just imitating her voice, which causes Ide to uh, literally jump out of his pants at the the sound of this. <laughs> I made my porn reference too early. <laughs> Here is Haruko doing my doing my job. <laughs> this is a bit of a reference to uh, the original series where like uh Now just dead did the exact exact move where you jump out of your underwear right at someone, which is also a reference to Lupin the third.
2: All it's missing is the boxing glove coming out of nowhere.
1: Yep. Yeah, so Haruko's just been spying on the the entire time, just trying to like push him all together while she videotapes the entire thing. Jinnyu arrives in her car, and it's practically a Transformer now, so uh, she's trying to protect Hidomi from Haruko, and from the sound of it, these two seem to have a bit of a history here. They do seem to at least have,
2: like, barely similar designs, at least. I mean, they at least both use, like, you know, guitars
1: and whatnot. And uh, operate vehicles without actually having to drive them. Right. Both are, like, freaking weird people. It's uh, time for a really sweet fight between the two of them, and uh, I like how during this fight, Haruko has uh, Ide, like, basically on a collar, and she just... Whips him around. Whipping him around like some kind of, kind of like bola or maze. During the fight, uh, genius says to Haruko that she can't look for him alone and that they used to be one, but Haruko is just having none of it. And if you're wondering, uh, the him they're referring to is Adamisk, the Pirate King, not to be confused with Goldie Roger, King of the Pirates.
2: Yeah, both are very quite different. <laughs> <laughs> Adamisk is some sort of like giant, almost like space god or something. He barely even is like a pirate.
1: Jinny tells Hidomi that she shouldn't get involved with Haruko and that she'll only use her for her own benefit. Worst case scenario, she could die. Hearing that causes Hidomi to uh, overflow like nothing before and the horn from her head grows and sucks in a bunch of uh, scrap metal. And I noticed this, I didn't notice this the first time, but when she's like sucking in the metal, it comes in like a a heart formation. You know, where it just like forms a heart and then it ends right on her forehead. Oh, little lovey-dovey detail there. I like that. After a big explosion, it turns Hidomi into a cute little broken robot. I love Haruko's reaction to this whole thing where she's like, What is that, (laughs) Nya? That's what I was wondering too. Like, really all that and just a little robot? Yeah, she like goes up to it and like the robot like cops a feel on Haruko and she's like, no touchy. So the little robot just uh, goes to like throw a punch at Haruko but instead hits itself right in the face and then it turns back into Hidomi. Jinny saves her and then Ide too and the two of them have like a little cute scene where Hidomi remembers to give Ide the worksheets and during this Hidomi even manages to uh, crack a smile for the first time
2: aww, like, almost, like, died in a giant, like, robot fight or something with, like, guitars involved, and it's like, yeah, here's your
1: homework. <laughs> Let's have a good laugh about it. Yeah, just, it's it's a sweet moment yeah, in the episode. Hey, it's
2: cute. It is cute.
1: So that brings us to episode three, Stone Skipping. Beach episode time! Because, of course, what is an anime without a beach episode? Hey, even Fooly Cooly's not immune to this, okay? It's been about three months since the events of the uh, previous episode, and uh, we see what happened during those three months as we get just, like, images of, like, Haruko spying on Hidomi while Ginny is trying to protect her. My favorite one is uh, where uh, Haruko's just right outside her window, just face-pressed against the glass, looking on in.
2: (laughs) Just, like, pulling, like, a Yukiko from JoJo's.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Like, looking in through the window, just about to, like, kill your loved one. At least Haruko doesn't have, like, a weird hair stand <laughs> so haruko decides to take her students on a trip to the beach and jinyu comes along in order to protect Hidomi. also joining them is morty's girlfriend which is the only reason ide and marco came along anyway so well, uh, we get to meet her she's a meek little girl who doesn't drink swear or sweat and her name is aiko played by christine cabanos no drinking swearing or sweating like come on <laughs> what kind of a person is this no one this perfect should exist it's physically impossible <laughs> And she's also carrying a potted plant, a.k.a. her emotional support plant. Which, by the way, that term was actually coined by Robbie Damon, uh, according to Stephanie Shea, while they were uh, recording. <laughs> Wait, really? <laughs> yeah, he just, like, uh, I'm, just, I'm assuming it's just, like, he came up with that as a joke, and uh, Stephanie Shea just, like, liked it so much, they decided to put it in.
2: Okay, that works. That really works.
1: So, they all play around, have a good time, and uh, when speaking to Hidomi, Jinyu talks about how she used to be uh, with Haruko, and how uh, the both of them are looking for uh, Animus at the same time. Haruko wants to, like, bring him bring him down to, like, her level. Kind of seems like Jinyu doesn't want to do anything like that, it just wants him to be free. She has a great quote here where she says, uh, you chase something. Because you simply can't catch it. That's why Haruko just goes after Atomus this entire time. And also while they're uh, playing around, Haruko uh, buries Jin Yu in the sand and lays down some concrete for a good measure. (laughs) Just turns her into like this like turd form. (laughs) I'm not really seeing the fun in this. It turns into like that one uh, SpongeBob bit, dude. The tide's coming in, (laughs) dude. Dude. (laughs) Jin Yu by the end of the episode is just
2: like an angel, just like. Haruko helped me experience high tide. Oh! <laughs> floating off into the air.
1: <laughs> Later that evening, Hidomi goes missing, and Haruko is gone too, so Ide goes to look for the both of them. But uh, as for uh, Aiko, she has to go leave now, and we get to see her true self. That she's just basically she was just hired by Mori just to pretend to be his girlfriend. Oh, a gold digger! <laughs> <laughs> and, I respect her even more now. And I love Christine Cavanaugh's performance here. It's just amazing. The way she breaks down the previous performance is just like great. It makes for a great punchline. And I just love how she gives him the plan. And he's like, "What? What is this? A present for you? Oh, this is wait. No, it's not that." <laughs> <laughs> and Marco sees the entire thing go on. And I just love his reaction to it, that he just starts crying out of embarrassment for Morty. And, like, Morty's just annoyed by him. Hey, that's at least a friend right there. You know, he's, he's crying because he feels bad for you. He feels for you, but Morty's just like, I don't want your pity. Stop crying. <laughs> Ide's search leads him to uh, an abandoned medical mechanica building and comes across Haruko trying to get Hidomi to overflow by, like, strapping her to, like, like an operating table and kind of stripping her down to her swimsuit. Just is a really weird scene. <laughs> I mean, you could have just,
2: like, you think she'd have, like, faded her, fade her out right now, but like, just to get, just get, like, Ide in there, and it's, like, this would be
1: way easier. But uh, Ide does see this, and instead he overflows at the sight of Hidomi in a swimsuit, and it's a little slime blob monster that pops out of his forehead. <laughs> Meanwhile, back with Aiko, uh, she comes back home, and we see that her dad is uh, one of the other regulars in the cafe, Masaru, played by Jason Griffith. And it turns out he and the, uh, old guy with the eye patch are working together, and that the plant Aiko gave to Morty is actually a very important item. Very important MacGuffin for this series. Who, well, speaking of which, Morty smacks the plant into the ocean out of anger. <laughs> <laughs> so Haruko starts fighting the blob and sends Ide flying into Hidomi, and as they crash into each other, uh, Hidomi accidentally kisses his bare chest, which causes her to overflow. And then, uh, she, along with the medical mechanica building, gets sucked into a giant ball of, uh, scrap metal she produces.
2: Freaking awesome.
1: jin Uh, arrives just in time in her car but she's still stuck in the cement so like she only has her arms and legs free (laughs) (laughs) hey she can still rock it though I mean she can still deliver like a pretty big speech you know about like fireworks and stuff oh that's a great scene so it's a race to get Hidomi, with uh, Haruko now controlling the uh, blob bot from before, and Ide, now with Genius Guitar in hand, swings the bat at the giant ball of metal, which frees Hidomi. But she's still, like, stuck inside the giant scrap, and he's trying to pull her out. And we get uh, we get a bit here where, like, Haruko is, like, just talking about her, and she's all like, Tundra, tundra, Sundare? Yeah, th- this girl's that type, am <laughs> I right? <laughs> I just like that bit here.
2: Uh, I like that little, like, bit of wordplay they're kind of having around, right around there.
1: So uh, Haruko tries to swing her guitar, but Ide stops her, so instead she convinces him to uh, remove her headphones, and doing so activates some sort of security system where... They quite literally drill into Hidomi's head. Oh, yeah, those things ain't coming off now. And uh, I like before that, when she goes to uh, check on Hidomi, Haruko's little little shuffle, like, right up to her. <laughs> just a great bit of animation there. <laughs> yeah, so the, the, the animation on Haruko in this episode is really some of the best that's in the series. Yeah, like, you even got, like, one bit where, like, as the uh, giant scrap ball is falling to the earth, she's, like, trying to swim up in the air, and she just, like, shrugs her shoulders and just falls back down, like, very very Looney Tunes style. <laughs> Hidomi's headphones are stuck on her head, and they only have one option left. Looks like Haruko is just gonna have to bust on in. And the target? Medical Mechanica. So, on to episode four, where Hidomi's feeling a lot more perkier and happier after the events of the previous episode, thanks to uh, her headphones drilling into her head.
2: Okay, I said for the previous episode, Haruko has some of my favorite designs for that episode, but holy crap. The amount of, like, work
1: they're putting into like, animate Hidomi in this episode. It's incredible. It is just, like, how... All the array of movements she just has as she's just running and prancing her way to school. There's, and I even love the one bit where she starts barking at the uh, the cat and you from the uh, original series. Oh, such a good cameo! <laughs> Which makes me think, like, hang on, that season was almost like 18 years ago. That cat should be dead by this point. Mm, yeah, you might have a good point there. <laughs> ah, but maybe it's uh, maybe it's the cat's uh, baby. Oh,
2: yeah, who knows, that cat probably got around, like, he, he totally looks like a Tomcat.
1: Do you know the, uh, who voiced the cat in the original series in Japanese? Really? Don't know. Hideaki Anno. <laughs> really? Yeah, like, uh, in the dub, uh, he was played by Stephen Blum, but, like, in the Japanese version of the original series, Hideaki Anno voiced the cat.
2: <laughs> That's great.
1: I don't know how they pulled him out of his, like, depression to do that, but... Hey, uh, Anno, do you wanna, like, uh, voice a cat? Sure. (laughs) Dang, he got better
2: way faster than I thought, I guess. Yeah, just, uh, you know,
1: all it takes is voicing a cat. So, a lot of people seem to like the new Hidomi, like her mom and Marco, but others, uh, not so much. Meanwhile, Eyepatch and Masaro discuss the missing flower pot as it was made from spare parts of... Lord Conti, who is now tied up in a cross like uh, Lilith from Evangelion.
2: Oh, my boy Conti, like, strung up like Christ. Well, he practically is like Christ to me from yeah. the original. <laughs> I mean, he, he was my favorite character that said nothing in any anime ever. Of all the anime characters out there that never say a word, I'd probably say Conti is one of my favorites.
1: He is the ultimate anime robot boy. So Eiko comes home, and I like her line here. I'm home, homies. They try to get her to uh, leave by giving her comp tickets to the amusement park, but she refuses, and in doing so, she mentions that the uh, amusement park installed a Viking ship ride, which uh, shocks the guys. Something's up with that ride. Uh, What do you think of, like, Viking ship rides? You ever been on one of those? Oh,
2: I think I have been on, like, quite a few. I know, like, Valley Fair, not too far from here, actually has one that's kind of like that. But honestly, I I think there was even one growing up at, like, Camp Snoopy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now the Nickelodeon theme park at the Mall of America. But, um, no, it's been a long time since I've been on one of those. Yeah, I, I, I you can't get me on one of those. Like, I'll do a
1: regular roller coaster that even has inversions, but I can't do one of those.
2: Oh, you gotta try one of it at least like once. It's actually it's actually very milk toast compared to like all the other like inverted roller coaster ride experiences.
1: Speaking of that ride, uh, Marco Nas has a part time job, which is testing that ride. As he uh, gets like a little uh, helmet put on his head and then uh, gets put on the ride and tests it while. The ship flips upside down and apparently starts powering up uh, the theme park through his head. Even better. <laughs> that would, I would even want to, like, ride on it even more now. The reason he's doing this is because he wants to earn money to uh, buy Hidomi a gift. Because he likes the new uh, perkier Hidomi and he just uh, starts to have a crush on her. Yes, the new totally phony Hidomi. I like the bit where, like, he bumps into her beforehand where the two different types of animation where, like, Marco has, like, the regular normal animation, whereas Hidomi's just, like, moving around, having, like, noodle arms, like, with all these, like, different keyframes. It's just amazing to see both those on screen at the same time.
2: Oh, I know. Like, they, they're they really, like, pumping in, like, their best animators to, like, animate Hidomi for this episode.
1: I mean, they, they, they
2: basically had to, like, animate, like, a stereotype stock anime character that's <laughs> just, like, off the walls, like, crazy, like, extroverted, you know, and Man, they really pulled through with her.
1: So, back with Haruko, Jinu, and Ide, they plan to uh, unlock the headphones and destroy Medical Mechanica from the inside. And I like the bit where like they're all discussing it inside the cafe and you just have basically a choir in the cafe just singing along, going free krik A Bunch of
2: hippies just in the bar. singing,
1: Singing away. The 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 pizza song from uh Spider-Man 2, the video game. <laughs> uh there you are working your chops there again, fooly coolie. So uh they manage to uh get Hidomi and they bring her right to uh the Medical Mechanica Iron Building, during which hyper Hidomi finds the potted plant as it's in the backseat of the car and she just throws it up in the air and it lands right on Irei's head which causes his No portal to open and suck in both Haruko and Jinyu I think they said
2: like the plant like reverses the No stream or something so it kind of like reverses things back through the hole so now they've got like a way inside Medical Mechanica
1: also during this, I just want to point out that uh, when looking at his forehead, Hidomi kind of makes a bit of a uh, Arale face from uh, Dr. Slump, like how she looks in that series.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so inside the building, Haruko and Jinyu argue about Animusk as Haruko wants to do everything she can so he can see her, but Jinyu just wants to join up with Haruko because she's nothing without her, which uh, pisses off Haruko very much as she says, I'm going to devour you. Oh yeah, now for the white fight we've been waiting for. Uh, but before that, we get to learn more about uh, Hidomi's uh, father problems.
3: Oh, watch out! It's, I can see everything. everything. Uh, Where is the my father? Oh yeah, I forgot
0: about that. You don't have a father,
3: huh? I don't have a mother either. Uh, Mommy's been waiting a long time, but he still won't come home.
0: Keep it
3: if everything is destroyed, then we can start over again. Uh, uh, For one, Mom uh, would no longer be crushed. Also, Dad would still be with us. If today was an ordinary day like yesterday, that would have been oh so nice.
0: Peepa, hey, ah. <laughs> ah. Oh, man, that was close.
3: I don't need anything special, but the anger, the sadness sobbing and crying. I don't want to hear it anymore. And so that's why these are perfect.
1: Oh, poor girl. You can assume that uh before that happened, like this perkiness she is she's feeling right now is how she used to be before that happened.
2: Oh, okay. So that's one way they could like could be interpreted.
1: Cuz like you had uh Ide saying like, "Why are you acting like this, Hibijeri?" and she's all like Domi's always been like this.
2: Oh, I like that. I like that.
1: And also the reason she wears her headphones is because she doesn't want to hear the anger or the sadness anymore. Time for things to get crazy as Haruko and Jinyu both pop out of her head and begin to have another one-on-one fight. Probably the best fight in this season. <laughs> the rest of
2: this episode <laughs> gets fucking nutso with the animation.
1: Oh my god, I just remember watching it just on the edge of my seat, just glued to the TV, just, this is awesome. This is amazing. During the fight, Marco gets flung off the Viking ship as uh, something grows from his uh, forehead, because uh, when he bumped into Hidomi earlier, part of her NO got transferred over to him, so now he's got something popping out of his head.
2: Now he's bursting out a giant vine that is like propping up medical mechanica itself.
1: Also, uh, the whole bumping into someone and transferring the NO kind of uh, reminds me of the original series where uh, Nauta did that to uh, Nina Mori and she had like a robot pop out of her head near the end.
2: Ah, nice little callback.
1: So a giant uh, vine-slash Bamboo branch grows out of his head and starts tipping over the iron. Back to the fight, I just love this uh, back and forth between Jinnyo and Haruko where Jinny's all like, cut it out, Raharu, and Haruko's like, shut up, and your sunglasses are super lame. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, to the contrary. To the contrary. I just like how, even during a fight, she's just being so petty and immature (laughs) during the whole thing. (laughs) That's why we love you, Haruko.
2: And your hair sucks!
1: <laughs> and my guitar's better! Jinyu's car starts to roll off the building with Hidomi in it, so Ide jumps off miraculously after her, and Jinyu uh, manages to save both of them. But then Haruko gets a hold of the car and just whips it around and flings it right at Jinyu. After this episode came out, uh, Jason DeMarco, head of Toonami and one of the co-producers on the series, tweeted out uh, one of the in-between frames of that shot where Haruko's whipping around the car, and it just... It's just this great, like, smeared animation where, like, Hidomi and Ide's eyes are, like, off their body and stuff. It, it's a really funny-looking shot.
2: It was so juicy to look at in this episode.
1: Haruko flings the car at Jinyu, she catches it, and this gives Haruko the opening to land the final blow to Jinyu.
2: And then just in the end, even so, just ends up devouring her.
1: Then puts on her sunglasses as they're not lame when she wears them.
2: Ah, oh, there's the rule.
1: Yeah, rest in power, jin You will be missed went out with like a really badass eating animation yeah so we go on to episode 5, Fool on the Planet, the penultimate episode, and complete with a new art style.
2: Yeah, I gotta say, the art style for this episode, my favorite out of all the episodes. Oh, absolutely. Thick black outlines with a lot of, like, expressive, like, character animations.
1: Oh, it's so good. This episode was directed by Kei Suzawa, I hope I pronounced that right, who up until this point has mostly done uh, key animation work. Some of notable works is Napping Princess, Pokemon Generations, MMO Junkie, stuff like that. And, uh, we get another weird yet gorgeous looking, uh, Pidomi dream sequence.
2: Oh, it's all, like, inky black, like a
1: painting. It's just very
2: kind of artsy. Oh, it's the exact kind of crap I fall for. Oh, uh, the
1: watercolors and everything just, oh my god, you can just, you can just, like, take a still frame from that dream sequence and just hang it up on your wall and to admire.
2: It kind of does look like something that, like, maybe some, like, de- really good deviant artist would, like, <laughs> whip up online. Right.
1: Good compliment. That's a good compliment. So, with the iron tipped over, and it's now causing a fog to settle over the city, back with Eyepatch uh, and Masaro, they are taking now the broken Kanti to Uzu City to use the Immigration Center Orbit Elevator to dispose of his remains. I love how, like, one of the guys they uh, run into is picking up Kanti, and he's, like, kind of being very reckless with it, and is all like, Could you please be more careful? That thing's vintage. (laughs) To which I say, yeah, that thing's from 2000, man. You can't get it any older than that.
2: Yeah, you can't really get them, like, really good like that anymore.
1: That's a vintage, like, anime robot right there. You can't find that anywhere nowadays. Back at school, Haruko comes crashing in to tell everyone she's quitting her teaching job. Why? What (laughs) are (laughs) expecting? Just comes out and we've got, like, fat-ass, like Haruko.
0: (laughs) Fat-asses.
1: um that or mad prego like <laughs> or a go. so she tells him uh, a story about how she met her soon-to-be hubby and which is uh, done in another crude crayon drawing was just just pictures of her kissing like this little red bird man <laughs> <laughs> i hope they got like an actual kid to draw those Ah, oh, that would be amazing if like one of the uh, animators like kids just happened to like draw these images now remember, now remember, little boy, can you draw this
2: lady kissing this thing? <laughs> <laughs> okay. It'll look really
1: good, we promise. Okay, daddy. You'll get royalties. <laughs> <laughs> During all this, she tells everyone to go to the amusement park as they can find love, too, which everyone does. And we get uh, we get a little chat between Ide and Harko at the pool. Ide with uh, Genius Guitar uh, starts, like, trying to take swings at Harko, but Harko's just basically playing with him, just playfully dodging with him
2: haruko uh showing her seriousness with the situation by wearing one of my uh, least favorite fetish outfits <laughs> 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 oh yes yeah, the classic schoolgirl swimsuit costume yes now i know you're i know you're trying to make me take this seriously just by how much i hate that
1: <laughs> <laughs> and even like at one point where she like she gets right behind him and she tries to like help him like swing the uh, the guitar and he's like having none of it so then uh, she mounts him and says this uh, line to her you don't understand miss haruko the truth is you don't satisfy me
2: wrong words to say to haruko
1: as he says this hidomi comes in and uh, seeing like haruko on top of ide in this compromising position activates her no portal and it just sucks up ide leaving a little uh, shell behind of him Uh oh spaghettios (laughs) accidentally sucked you up (laughs) so haruko leaves and tells her she'll be waiting at the amusement park and back at the amusement park, everyone's all finding love. Like, we get to see, like, all the couples, like, run into the, uh, theme park. Even some same-sex couples there, too, which is nice. <laughs> just, like, one just, like, wraps up together, like, something out of, like, a Jinji Ito <laughs> horror story. <laughs> That's cute. <laughs> and while everyone's finding love, uh, Morty's the only one left behind. Aww. As he's trying to, like, call up Aiko, but she's not picking up. Back with Masaru and Ipatch, they get in contact with the guy who runs the amusement park, and Aiko overhears their conversation about the potted plant, so she now knows everything about what's going on here. And meanwhile, uh, Hidomi's holding what remains of Ide and she recalls a conversation with her mom earlier that day. And we finally get our manga art shift, though uh, much less uh, crazy as the original series. Very much more subdued here.
2: Yeah, it's much more contemplative, very, like, subdued.
3: I don't want to remember what happened this morning.
0: Oh, my!
3: Hidomi, look! It must be Jin-Yu's doing. She must have felt bad about breaking so many plates. I guess so. Hidomi, dear, you've changed. I'm back to my usual self is all. No, you're different. Completely different. Uh. I've changed? I see. Fun at school, Hidomi. By the way, your friend Ide? He's very cute. Why are you... I know everything about you, Hidomi. I am your mommy after all. That's not what I... Do you like him? That's not what I'm talking about. You're closing it down? The cafe? Why? Why would you do that? I thought you were going to stay here and wait till dad comes home. I think it's time to stop.
1: During this, Eday's shell suit, whatever you want to call it, uh, floats up into space and is collected by the Immigration Center satellite and is then ground up and fed to uh, Conti's head by a sweet old lady who runs the entire satellite. Eat up, boy. Here you go. Ooh, and this uh, powers him right up. Well, it's, like, filled with, like, teenaged angst, so of <laughs> course it's gonna, like, power him up. At the amusement park, all the kids and no portal energy is being sucked up and it's powering up the theme park, and it turns the castle and all the riots into... A giant robot which is used to fight the Medical Mechanica Iron. Mecha Knott's Berry Farm. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, still a still nice, still a decent little symbol, you know,
2: like a big amusement park, a symbol of like childhood facing off against like a giant facility that is like trying
1: to smooth out like the world with like
2: boring adultness and stuff. It's a nice little symbol.
1: Kidomi now all powered up with a big, huge Mecha fist, uh, kind of looking a bit like uh, Eustace Kid from One Piece when he activates his uh, Devil Fruit power. Oh, I want to see somebody cosplay
2: this. It looks so awesome. It's so awesome so
1: cool so she confronts haruko and demands her to bring ide back and also she just lays it down the line that haruko has just been acting immature this whole time just because she's just a hopeless girl in love and then all of a sudden haruko's bracelet she has it reacts as Atomisk is finally here oh boyfriends visiting <laughs> so we're on to episode six the final episode of progressive so let's bring it on home Haruko strikes the roller coaster with her guitar, and it causes the roller coaster to rise up so she can get closer to Atomisk while also forming a giant birdcage. Ooh, very nice! Just looks so cool here. Haruko and Hidomi continue to fight, and uh, Atomisk sucks up the both of them as the iron proceeds to destroy the town by covering it in mochi, giving everything a nice sugary coating. Oh man, we'll meet a delicious fate. <laughs> Haruko and Hidomi end up in the immigration center satellite where Haruko finds her old guitar from the original series and sees Conti and recognizes him, reunited and it feels so good. I know, right? Meanwhile, Masaru has uh, one last conversation with Aiko before he gets overtaken by the mochi, as the mochi destroyed his house and is now trying to freeze up him in Patch, And he tells her that she's free now, she can leave, because uh, she was actually an experiment done by them. Right, right. Someone just, like, made simply to be used as a tool in the end. She meets up with, uh, Morty and they go looking for the pot of plant in order to fix everything, and so they had to eat Ace House because they assume that's where it's gonna be because he was the last one who had it. And they happen to run into Hidomi's mom, who's, uh, looking for Hidomi and she thinks she's with Ide since uh, she assumes he's her boyfriend. They find the plant, and it activates a two-way communication system between Iko and Conti's head. plant just comes out right out of the house out of, like,
2: Iko's head. <laughs> just turns her into a transmitter. I kind of like it.
1: It's very nice. And, uh, we get a very nice uh, conversation between Hidomi and her mom as they discuss, uh, closing the cafe, and she wanted to keep it open because maybe her dad will come back, but they both agree that now they're just gonna keep it open so they can just live and work there together. Aw. a cute little moment. So, with the help of a revived Conti, he. Hidomi's headphones are destroyed, and she now transforms into the souped-up Conti-esque robot from her dreams. Pretty awesome. Mecha Hidomi, yes. So back in town, Aiko, Mori, and Hidomi's mom head to the factory so Aiko can take it out as she uses the plant, which activates and starts uh, forming uh, branches all around the iron to stop it. Transforms
2: Aiko into branches and stops the entire iron in place. It (laughs) looks
1: really nice. So Haruko and company are fighting their way through a bunch of robots back on the satellite to make it home, where they uh, notice that uh, Conti has the, uh, symbol on his head, but also has the symbol of Ide with him. So now both of them are inside Conti right now. And, uh, during this fight where they're trying to, like, get to him first, uh, I love this line by Haruko where she's all like, Stop cock-blocking, Hibiji! (laughs) (laughs) So the only way to, uh, bring out who they want the most is to, uh, kiss him, and they both manage to kiss him at the same time. And then, uh, Conti then pukes up Uh, Ide, and then Haruko absorbs, uh, but unfortunately, Atomist rejects Haruko as she barbs him right back up. Doesn't even say a single word, either. All right. The no what a guy you know we get a really great scene here where haruko breaks down crying just wondering why adamus wouldn't accept her like one of the first few times where we see haruko kind of feeling a bit vulnerable here
2: yeah she's not feeling too good or anything you know fight fighting for so long to try and be reunited with this guy but you know he just
1: won't let her but before he leaves he does give her a hug and a kiss so that's nice and uh he returns to his normal bird form and flies away and we see that haruko and jinyu have split once again and then jinyu like hugs haruko just to console her a very nice moment almost like A
2: big sister moment or something.
1: All's well that ends well. The town begins to rebuild itself. Morty and Iko look to be starting a relationship, and Genyo heads off on her own while Haruko leaves, still not giving up the hunt on Adamisk. And I love before she leaves, Ede kind of like lays it down the line, saying like, "I'm sorry, Miss Haruko. You and I can't see each other anymore." Still thinking that Haruko was into him this entire time.
0: (laughs)
2: And Haruko just, like, rightfully laughs him out of the room.
1: Just like, uh, oh, you showed me, kid, well, I, I, I gotta leave now, oh, man, oh, you really hurt my feelings there, bye.
2: You really slayed me, here I go off, slayed. <laughs> right off into space.
1: Yeah. Oh, and also during this, uh, we get the reveal that Masuro is actually Amaro's son, you know, eyebrows guy from the original series. Oh, very nice. Yeah, a little line from the old lady saying, oh, you have tiny eyebrows, just like your father. Yeah. <laughs> Which makes me wonder, okay, who did he fuck to make this kid? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, knowing him, probably settled down with a nice lady in the area and just kind of like had a, had a nice little kid, you know?
1: So yeah, Hidomi and her mom are keeping the cafe open and Conti's now working there too. Hey, nice to have uh, cheap robot labor.
2: Right, and like his new maid costume too. <laughs>
1: it's it's a very cute outfit for him, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> so Hidomi sheds her insecurities and she and Ide start a relationship and they share a kiss to end progressive. Uh, and what a season
2: though
1: on to Fooly Cooly Alternative but before we get to that we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back
3: Grown up? Isn't that bad? Did you see this? Cagedy? Oh my god, you're a celebrity! Oh no, Right!
2: College planning sheets. Make sure you guys turn them in this week.
3: I totally forgot about that. You can always just stay in
4: high school forever. I wish something cool like a talking cat would appear. She would give me like the magical wand. her up. Let me guess. Uh, you seventeen? gay you're not you're all tangled up like in a knot, huh? that can't be good it's like a kaiju movie and you're all muddled in the head is that Hijiru's back? <laughs> they kissed. That you're thinking today will be like yesterday yesterday like the day before yesterday and so on and so
0: on I can't deal
4: 17 has arrived <laughs> Can't wait for (laughs) it. It's shattered, just like your fragile teenage dreams.
1: All right, we're back, and now we're going to talk Fooly Cooly Alternative, starting with Episode 1, Flying Memory.
2: Actually, if one little thing I would like to note here, actually. It, it took me—I can't believe it took me this long to figure out that, like, the titles of both these, like, series are referring to, like, rock genres. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I can't believe it took me that long just to figure that out. Progressive rock. Alternative rock. Oh yeah, look for the next season of Fooly Cooly like Fooly Cooly Christian. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't start that. Do not start that. We're not going to have those guys do the music for that next season. <laughs> I don't want to do hear the pillows attempting like Christ rock or anything.
0: <laughs>
1: cool thing about this uh, first episode is that we actually had a surprise uh, preview of this episode during Adult Swim's usual April Fools' Day prank. Yeah, this was previewed like way long ago. Yeah, and like uh, I remember you and I actually watched it uh, that very night. Remember we were watching Tsunami and uh, we were thinking that uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure was gonna come up, but uh, in the back of my head I was thinking like, hold on a second, it's about to be uh, midnight on the East Coast. It's gonna be April. Adult Swim's known for doing these pranks, so we're gonna be into something. I heard rumors that day that maybe they're gonna be previewing uh, Fooly Cooly, the new seasons. And lo and behold, we got to see uh, Fooly Cooly Alternative Episode 1 in Japanese. Didn't quelled any, like, complaints about, like, subs or anything. Right. And I remember, like, uh, as soon as I got home, I went to my TV and I recorded the uh, West Coast feed of Adult Swim that night just so I can have that episode on my DVR forever. Oh, nice. A nice little captured moment for all of time. Yeah, I still have it now. Oh, cool, man. Yeah, I'm never deleting that. I'm trying to keep that on the DVR as long as I possibly can. Oh, do that. Do that. You got a little piece of history right there. So in this season, we have a new uh, group of characters, so we're introduced to our new leads, a.k.a. the Cinnamon Roll Squad. <laughs> Aren't they? Aren't they? They're just the sweetest things. They're adorable. I love them. First up, we meet Komato played here by Megan Taylor Harvey, who is uh, more of an upbeat protagonist compared to Naoto and Hidomi. It's very refreshing and a nice change of pace.
2: Yeah, it is a bit, it is a bit refreshing. She's she's a very sweet girl, very fun when paired with her friends.
1: Just absolutely lovable and adorable. Mm-hmm. Oh, fun fact about uh, Megan Taylor Harvey. This is her uh, first uh, lead anime role. Looked up her credits, and I was trying to see like uh, what other stuff she's done beforehand, and I found something that was actually really interesting, but also really cool. You know the classic Charlie Brown uh, Christmas special, right? You know how it plays every year around Christmas on TV. Yes. Do you know that uh, you know that they also uh, paired up with uh, those uh, Charlie Brown Christmas shorts, which were made in like the early two thousands. Yes. In those uh, Christmas shorts, Megan Harvey plays the voice of Sally Brown, Charlie Brown's sister, in those uh, shorts that were made in 2002. <laughs> that's, a
0: great, that's a great
1: little factoid right
0: there.
4: What's going on? Is my sweet baboo helping my big brother draw a Christmas card? I'm leaving a plate of cookies under our tree for Santa Claus. And if I hide someplace, maybe I'll even get to see
3: him. Wake up!
0: Santa Claus came last
1: night, and he didn't leave you anything! April Fool! It was just amazing. Like, I remember, I I always watch that special and those shorts, like, every year on TV when, like, ABC or whatever airs them. Right. Just to think that, for the longest time, I've been hearing the voice of the girl who would be voicing Kana years later on the new Foolie Cooly (laughs) season. You have come a long way, Megan. Just like, oh man, I just, I just wish this uh, season took place around Christmas. You can have a scene where Kana goes out to go fall down a Christmas tree. <laughs> 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 and uh, next, we meet Tomomi Hitada, otherwise known as Pets, played by Marieve Harrington, and she and Kana seems to be the closest out of all the group. Oh yeah, and she gives a
2: very like snarky like.
1: Perspective too on many things as yeah. well. I love her, like for a scene where she's like uh, just giving out about her dad, like how the way he like sucks up eggs and stuff like that. Is that like a thing in Japan where like it's like
2: considered like really rude or gross to like suck the yolk out of your egg? I guess so. Then again, I may have heard it in like
1: some other anime.
2: I mean, then again, who does that even like over here in the states? too no, like who- unless you want to look like some like alien monster sucking the brains out of something, right? Okay, that's just me, maybe. But-
1: <laughs> Then it's followed up by Man Matoyama, Mosan for short, played here by Marianne Miller. Oh,
2: best girl here. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> I
1: remember when uh, we were watching those uh, preview videos where it shows the behind-the-scenes stuff, and when we found out that Marianne Miller was playing Mosan. we were all like, hey, that's so cool. Uh, I know, little Karibo's wife. Yeah, and like, uh, we actually, we got to meet her at uh Minneapolis in 2013. Yeah, we
2: did see her one year, actually, with her uh,
1: husband as well. Yeah, just like, super cool and super nice, dude. Oh,
2: very nice couple. Very super cool, especially when they're drunk as well.
1: And, oh, yeah, just <laughs> one of my favorite con moments is just, like, their 18-plus pants. Where like little Kriba was chugging like uh, what was it like takoyaki ramen while she like sang uh, sang a little aria to him very beautifully I might add. Oh my god! Like can I just
2: say this right now? Can I just say this right now? Marianne Miller, if you are listening, please pick an anime role that lets you sing opera. Please, everybody will love it so
1: much. Absolutely. Last but certainly not least is Hijri Yajima, played by Erica Limbeck, one of the more popular girls in school, and is also a model part time. Yes, the town beauty to the ire of her friends. I, I kind of like this little relationship. It kind of reminds me a bit of bit of like uh, Kim and Max from Miraculous Ladybug. You know, you get the popular kid hanging out with kind of the dorky kids. Yeah, it's kind of it's it's kind of cute. It kind of rounds out the group a little bit. In both English and Japanese, Hijri is played by an actress who is in Love Live. Really? Because uh, here, Erica Limbeck, she voices Ellie in the dub, and uh, in uh, Japanese, she's played by Riho Ida, who played Reen. Oh, God, that is true. That is true. I yeah, keep so, forgetting yeah. that. So, yeah, you have a bit of a love-life connection here. So during lunchtime, all the girls discussed their futures, as during class, their teacher was talking about how they should be thinking about the whole post-graduation stuff, have your futures all planned out and ready to go when you leave high school. And also during class, the other girls were teasing Kana about her looking at one of the other boys, uh, Sasaki, played by Max Millman, who is also the uh, manager of the uh, basketball team. You can uh, you can say that Sasaki is uh, Kana's sweet babu, if you will. And I like this line here by uh, Kana where she's saying, uh, How can they expect any of us to know exactly what we want to do with our lives anyway? We've only been alive 17 years. Wish I had
2: that quote when I was like going through high school. Jeez.
1: God, like I talked about in our episode 00 how I used the Haruhi quote for uh, my high school senior uh, yearbook. I wish this came out then so I can use that. Right. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be like a great little middle finger to high school right there. Right. Kana especially isn't too sure about her future as she's just all around average and isn't really good at anything in particular. I like this bit here where he already mentioned she wants to uh, marry someone rich, like a famous basketball player. To which Mo-san says, "Like Kardashian? <laughs> <laughs> hey, why not? She's a." She's a great woman
2: to admire right there. She's got her entire life ahead of her right now and stuff. If
1: you don't get the reference, uh, this is a reference to Khloe Kardashian who was married to uh, Lamar Odom who was playing for the LA Lakers at the time and they have since divorced and she's now uh, with Tristan Thompson of the Cleveland Cavaliers.
2: Hey, still got her career aspects in order right there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I should just mention that uh, their relationship is also on the rocks now.
2: (laughs) Oh, I
1: see. (laughs) So after school, Kana heads off to work at the local soba shop run by a guy named Yoga played here by Steve Blum, who doesn't Really do a whole lot of anime roles recently as of late. Like, it always just seems to be uh, just Toonami and occasionally a bunch of uh, Western cartoons. Yeah, maybe he's, I don't know, maybe he has been more comforted lately by American productions or something. Yeah, it would seem so. Uh, there we meet another character, Kanda, played here by Ray Chase as he guzzles down his soba even after accidentally dumping a bunch of spices onto it.
2: Hey, I respect that right there. Like, you don't let good soba go to waste.
1: I like to think that as soon as he eats it, it's like uh, it's like the uh, Shelbyville lemon bite from The Simpsons, you know? It's like, ah, oh, this <laughs> soba is making me hungry. And then his face just scrunches up as soon as he eats it. <laughs> On TV, they see the uh, Prime Minister talking about how uh, they should be protecting Earth by banning uh, all space travel, which is only really something the top 1% can do anyway. But enough of that, uh, Haruko just casually strolls into the shop. Very low-key entrance for Haruko this season. I know, right? Just walks in, just like, hey, I'm here. It's like, ah, can "I can have a number seven uh, on the menu? Thanks. Perfect little
2: temperature, too, that just makes it, like, absolutely perfect for soba eating.
1: Kanda actually recognizes her, and he's just in shock of seeing her, just wondering, like, what the hell is she doing here? What's going on? <laughs> she takes a little notice to Kana, and she asks if she's 17, and, and proceeds to read her like a book.
2: Proceeds to absolutely lay her out and read her and just, like, show her how her s- her little sheltered 17-year-old world
1: is going to be crumbling down soon. I have the, the exact quote right here. You're all tangled up in a knot and muddled in the head. Bet you're thinking today will be like yesterday and yesterday like before yesterday and so on. 17 has arrived and life can't wait forever. So later that night, all the girls are gathered at their little hangout place the Comedy Center, which is an abandoned community center they use as a clubhouse. Pretty nice little place to hang out there. When uh, this episode came out, you can see uh, pets uh, appear to be smoking, but uh, it was actually revealed later on by some of the producers on the series that uh, she's just actually just holding a uh, lollipop stick. (laughs) (laughs) Holding it as a cigarette. Uh, Why not, you know? Why not? I'm sure we've we've all done that before. Yeah, even I'm still guilty of that nowadays, too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, also during this, we see Kana hold up a little Jenga piece, and it has the phrase, never knows best, which was what was written on Mommy's uh, cigarettes in the original series. Oh, really? Recently, after the series ended, Megan Harvey now has that phrase tattooed on her back. Oh, that's pretty sweet. Just a uh, little keepsake and a reminder of working on this great series. Right, why not? So they're all just hanging out and Mo San gets the idea to build a bottle rocket out of used Dr. Pepper bottles. And I just love how like all the friends just start gathering around her, just start pawing at all like her hard work at all the bottles. They're absolutely all in for this idea and I love it. I just love Heijiri's line here where she's like, Oh let me see it, let me touch it, let me have it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Come on, Hijiri, we don't need that right now. We're having a sweet
1: little moment. We're all going to get together and build a giant bottle rocket, and you're dirtying it up. So they do manage to make a rather impressive uh, large bottle rocket. Holy crap, with like a big montage too. That's like the cutest thing ever, where they're going out and buying supplies. I love the line here by uh, Hijiri where she says, Oh wow, it's so big. (laughs) And I remember the night uh, this premiered, the dub premiered, Erica Limbeck was live-tweeting it, and as soon as uh, Hijri said that line, she just tweets out, IT WAS BIG, ALRIGHT, IN ALL CAPS. (laughs) (laughs) They all go out, uh, like he said, to have a cute little montage set to the song My Foot as they all get supplies to decorate the rocket, because at this moment, it's just too plain. They can't launch it now.
2: Oh, it's the sweetest thing ever, As they're just going around
1: getting supplies. Yeah, and I just, like, little moments where, like, they're trying on, like, cat ears on pets, or, like, Mosan's just getting, like, a huge basket full of snacks and everything like that. During this, they pass by a quote-unquote shopping center. Very, very iron-shaped looking shopping center, just missing the handle there. Yeah, very different. Apparently that's been, like, running out a lot of the businesses in the area. While they are building the rocket, we get great little bits here where, like, uh, Kana's playing the guitar with a broom, and then Mosan just throws her notepad right in her face, just so agitated. <laughs> or how about Pets sneaking up upskirt shots of Hijri as she's, like, uh, bent over?
2: What the fuck are you gonna do with those? And then, <laughs> Sell
1: them online. Just kind of running in to, like, just block the shots. Just, just like, Pets, what are you doing? Okay, gotta make some money off of, like, these horny boys at school. <laughs> so they finish the rocket and all of a sudden a giant pin falls from the sky and, like, crashes into the Kami uh, the Center and destroys the rocket. Destroys everything. All that hard work go to waste. And the pin manages to bring out a giant lips robot and lunges right at Kana, but uh, Haruko's there to save the day as she machka kicks Kana to safety. Yes! My bad. Is she dead? So she fights the robot while the girls try to revive Kana by just stuffing a bunch of, like, pop and snacks into her face. And she just <laughs> spews it out as soon as she regains consciousness.
2: Just just for just for future reference, if you ever fall unconscious, I will use Dr. Pepper to
1: try and resuscitate <laughs> you. Despite what, like, the uh, local ambulance will say. <laughs> <laughs> so during this, a uh, little flower pop out of Kana's head. So the robot starts to get even bigger and bigger, and we get a line from Mosan where she's like, It's just like a kaiju movie. <laughs> oh yeah, it's even Better. Before getting back into the fight Haruko takes her time to introduce herself to the girls It's just like the robots just right there, but she's just like you just wait right there I just got to introduce myself to these nice girls over here. Come on I got to do my introduction for the series Haruhara Haruko space investigator from the brotherhood galactic police Be fair, She didn't really do this for progressive did she no actually in both uh, the previous seasons She never actually told the characters like what her actual job is. She always had like a fake job Really? I thought that was, like, always what what she said in the original. Well, she did say she was an alien, but Naoto didn't believe her. Mmm, okay. And then in Progressive, she didn't say anything about, like, what her real job is anyway.
2: Right, so, like, for all we know, this was just, like, some random lady or something.
1: Yeah. So Haruko decides to uh, delicately pull the flower out of Kana's head, by which I mean just forcibly rip it out while she, like, puts her leg on Kana's shoulders to, like, <laughs> get some more, uh, get a, get a good angle on it before she pulls it out. Oh, but out of it, she gets a fancy new guitar. Yes, a 1967 model Mustang. Mama like! (laughs) So she uses the guitar to fight off and defeat the robot, and causes a big, huge explosion, and out pops uh, the remains of the rocket, like, right in front of them. We get a really harsh line from Haruko here, where she's all like, It's shattered, just like your fragile teenage dreams. (laughs) Jeez, Haruko, we just, like, lost our bottle rocket. You don't have to, like, rub it into, like, our age now, too. Uh, but she does say, no big deal, all you gotta do is remake it. Which they do. So they manage to rebuild the rocket and successfully launch it into the air, only for it to come crashing down onto Kana. It's all in good fun, they all laugh and play around in the ocean. And then we get a little closing narration from Kana as she realizes that these moments won't last forever, and you won't know what's truly important until you lose it. Setting up the whole tone for the season. So on to episode 2, Grown Up Wannabe. In this season, uh, each of Kana's besties get their own little spotlight episode, and first up is Hijiri. So while uh, walking to school, Kana pets a Sansi, Hijari get dropped off by a boy named Toshio, played by Michael Cinder-Nicholas. And they kiss, and Kana's reaction is pretty great, where she just spazzes out at the sight of her friends, kissing another boy. (laughs) (laughs) They kissed with lips. Smooch. (laughs) Like, come on. Like, you haven't seen, like, anybody kiss in these high schools? Like, come on. Like, you can even see it on, like, Moson and Pence's face, where they're all like, really? You're freaking out over this? It's not that big of a deal. It's like, come on. We've seen this, like, happen in
2: hallways before. Like, this is simple stuff. Let <laughs> to be fair. Those types always annoyed me in high school.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> I don't know what it was, but it was just, like, seeing that in the hallway, I was just like, I would just, tu- you, it, you would just turn into a prude. You were just like, keep that at home. Keep that at home now.
1: No love in my- our hallways. Yeah, time and a place, people. Time and a place. So yeah, this guy here is a college guy, and the reason is she wants to date him and not any of one of the other guys in classes because all the boys in their class are really immature. Oh, you savage. <laughs> <laughs> Just love most <Mohsan. laughs> Yes. Just a lot of, I have to say, there's a lot of great lines in Alternative.
2: Oh yeah, like the the, the, the one thing that kind of makes the season is like the chemistry between all the girls. Like you can really believe their friendship through like all of like the fun dialogue they have with each other.
1: Hijiri's claim about all the boys being really immature is proven as they all rally together by saying like, Oh, give Yajima back. You shouldn't be dating this college boy. And she's just sandbagging all of them. <laughs> They're trying to like pick a fight or go to war with the college. Jeez. And uh, she shows off to her friends that uh, Toshio gave her like a very nice necklace. So while this is all happening and while she's like talking up her boyfriend, uh, Kana tries on some of Hijiri's makeup. It just looks all wrong. It just looks very dorky. <laughs> Do I look grown up? No, you look adorable.
2: <laughs> look, look like somebody used the makeup gun on you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man, I need my cold cream gun. PJ <laughs> tells them that uh, Toshio is a photographer and invites them all out to get some uh, picture taken in the park. So they all get some uh, cute pictures taken of them blowing bubbles and playing with dogs, etc., and all just that. Dogs
2: around in the park that are just like off their leash
1: and shit. I also love that Kana's wearing a sweater that just says soba on it. <laughs> <laughs> One of the lesser perks of her uh, workplace: <laughs> merchandised clothing. So after they get the pictures taken, they end up running to Haruko, complete in pigtails and Daisy Dukes. Down boys, down. <laughs> Girls too. Oh my God, she's selling shawarma, too. Yeah, gotta of, keep uh... it down. Gotta keep it down. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, she has like this food truck. So I'm guessing she must have invested in the uh, fleet of pita, along with Helen Lovejoy, Maude Flanders, and Mrs. Skinner. <laughs> Why don't we call it pocket bread? <laughs> Here, try a Ben Franklin. <laughs> <laughs> so, Toshio treats them all, but uh, kind of can't handle hers because it's just too spicy. Maybe your taste buds haven't matured. It's kind of uh, similar to Nauta not liking the uh, sour drinks in classic.
2: Right, right. How like in the original, they kind of likened like you know not liking certain things to like being more of a kid or more of an adult. You know. Yeah, it's
1: it's a very Japanese thing. The whole like where kids can only handle sweet things, and anything other than that is just. You have to be more mature to handle them. Right, right.
2: And, and just as this series like points out, too, that's bullshit.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so during this, Haruko starts uh, flirting with uh, Toshio, but uh, Hijri drags him away. He's all like, I want to take pictures. Here, I'll let you even keep the chains. Uh, no pictures, but I will keep the change. <laughs> <laughs> so later on, Kanda's back at work, and uh, Kanda has now become a regular there. And he still keeps spilling spices in the, into the soba, but he still eats them anyway. That's because now there's an actual thematic point to go along with it. He can handle it, though, because his taste buds have matured. But not really, though. <laughs> just spits it right out. So at home, Kana's, like, uh, talking with her brother, and, like, she even finds out that he's apparently mature, as he has a girlfriend. I'm not buying it. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of bought it. Oh, <laughs> uh, we'll find out later. So later that night, Toshio just happens to break it off with Hijiri. It's not working out. Yeah, just out of
2: nowhere... I mean, like, I know he was kind of flirting around with Haruko before, but, like,
1: Jesus. He even gives her the whole, it's not you, it's me, it's real. Which no one believes. Like, that's bullshit. Like, I have no dating experience, and even I know that's bullshit. Right? Like, no, it was clearly something with me. Like, we all know this. She seems to take it very well, but that changes as soon as he leaves. She just, like, crumbles down, and just, like, you can assume she just starts crying right there. So the next day at work, uh, we get to see where Hijiri works, which is a nice little karaoke place. Oh, cool job. Yeah, man, I can just see, like, uh, her friends all getting together in, like, a little room and start singing, like, some of the karaoke songs from uh, Yakuza. Oh, come on.
2: Perfect area for, like, a Kiryu, Kiryu, like, reference. Just, like, a little cameo. Come on. Or at least have, like, Majima's blade, like, come through, like, a door or something. Like, you <laughs> could just, like, imagine him having, like, a fight in there. <laughs> just something.
1: And also, while at work, Idri gets a text from Toshio asking for the necklace back. Dick move. Oh,
2: douchebag move right there. <clears throat> at least, don't... at least, at least, like, I kept gifts o- gifts over with people that like broke up with me at least, you know. D
1: bag move right there. Kana and the gang are like karaokeing it up and I love Mosan's singing right here. Like we talked about how Marianne Miller is just an amazing singer, but it's it's great here where she like acts to like sing badly here for Mosan.
2: <laughs> hey, it's a talent alone to sing as a voice actor, but it's an even greater talent to sing terribly. Yes. Convincingly as
1: well. Mm-hmm. So Kana tries to get Hijiri to join in, but uh, she snaps at her, but she tries to play it off as a joke, so no big deal. So after that, Kana is heading home, and she just happens to see Toshio with Haruko in his car Mm, drama she understandably spazzes out about it so she calls up pets and mosan so they can confront toshio about it as they think he's cheating on hijri not knowing that they've broken up these are some these are some bros right here (laughs) (laughs) bros that are total ladies (laughs) so late at night they meet up at the in the parking lot of that shopping center and he thinks they're all there to give back the necklace I love this moment here with Kana where, like, he asks about the necklace, and she makes, like, a cat face, and she goes, Meow? (laughs) necklace." Oh,
2: man. Like, like, any gal pal squad out there, man, like, these ones are the best.
1: Hijri arrives, she comes clean to her friends, and tells her the truth about how they broke up, but Kana can't let it go. She just cares too much about Hijri and just wants her to be happy. But this moment is interrupted by Bumblebee.
2: (laughs) 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 yeah taking a break from the transformers films and taking a break
1: from the production for like his upcoming film oh man this the new bumblebee movie looks great even john cena's great because we can't see him so (laughs) i assume he's there horns start growing out of uh kana's head and haruko gives her a good whack on the head and now pops uh haruko's food truck and we get like a really cool high speed chase between bumblebee and the truck as uh, haruko has kana drive even though she doesn't have a license so
2: hey lent her a light her license at least
1: i love the picture of her, of her license <laughs> it's just so great <laughs> oh man we get the line of the show right here where haruko pops up off the top of the truck and she says women are from mars and men are from venus I don't know about you, but I got a giant penis. As she fires her, like, guitar at the bot, like, spoots out some stuff out oh, of the guitar. Oh, she's got fine references and her phallic references. <laughs> <laughs> and I just love this chase. It's set to the song Freebie Honey, which is another one of my favorite Pillow songs. It's just, it's so good. Mmm, yes, it's delicious. During the kerfuffle, uh, Hijri does manage to save Toshio from a falling lamppost as he's being an asshole, taking pictures of the entire thing, and then this lamppost almost falls down on him, but she saves him.
2: Hey, I can't have any evidence of alien life getting out there
1: asshole here doesn't even care that he saved him. All he cares about is camera that got destroyed by the lamppost. Breaks down like a little bitch. you welcome, idiot. <laughs> So Kana and Haruko, with their combined efforts, defeat and destroy Bumblebee, and afterwards, Toshio tries to take Hijiri back, but mo like the bro she is, is having none of it as she tries to deck him. But of course, Hijiri stops her and says she's no different from him, acting, trying to act all cool and mature, as well as pretending that everything's alright when it's not. And from now on, she's gonna stay true to herself, and she gives back the necklace. It's not a good look for me anyway.
2: Eh, it never looked really that cool to begin with.
1: And Haruko gives him another parting gift. Wham! Guitar right to the head and now pops a tiny car. <laughs> Whether you're an adult or just a kid, the most important thing is how big you are. Could the uh
2: shawarma stick that she fights that Haruko fights with before also count as that as well? Um uh, yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> <laughs> is that does that mean that every shawarma I have ever eaten is uh, by some distance a dick reference because
1: <laughs> that'd be awesome <laughs> i'm gonna be thinking about that now when i eat shawarma <laughs> we're going out for shawarma next time <laughs> hell yeah and we get a cute ending here where harka gives them all free shawarma on the house but like kana hijri's finds hers uh, too spicy just like we said mm-hmm. bullshit <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, on to episode three freestyle collection now it's mosan's time to shine so we get to see her job as she does a construction job, and it seems to be running a ragged a bit. So at school, the teacher gives out to uh, Kana, Pets, and Hijri about filling out their college planning sheets, and since Mosan has filled hers out, Kana asks her about what she wants to do, and it turns out Mosan has a passion for fashion design. And she keeps a little notebook with all the different kinds of designs she wants to do, and it's like a really nice scene here.
2: Ah, oh, really quite pretty. And of course, her friends also do the annoying thing that I did to artist friends, which is immediately grab their art book and, like, page through it. <laughs>
1: Turns out uh, Mosan's even entered herself in a design contest and has made it past the first round and is now on to the uh, final round. She never told anyone before because she it all seems like a pipe dream to her, but Kana reassures her that, no, it's a good dream and that they're going to be supporting her all the way through.
2: Yeah, like good friends do.
1: So at the Soba shop, uh, Kana and her friends are all like chatting with uh, Yoga as he tells them the story about how the god of Soba came to him in a dream and that's why he quit his job of being a DJ to open <laughs> up the Soba shop. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I had to go back and like read that. St- like, I, going back and the, to these old episodes, I had to like rehear that because I was just like, wait, he didn't really say that, right? <laughs> That'd be like saying, like, Snoop Dogg one day got like a visit from like the god of cotton candy and <laughs> became like a cotton candy seller in New York.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and kind of wishes that a higher power would come to her in Dream. And I just think, when she said higher power, Vince McMahon, in his hood, coming out and saying, It's me, Kana! It was me all along! <laughs> oh, son of a
2: bitch! <laughs> okay, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Although, wait, wait, back to my Snoop Dogg reference. I just realized, no, he did actually get visited by a god. The Rastafarian god, because he turned, <laughs> he turned into Snoop Lion temporarily. So I guess, like... The God of Weed or something, like, visited him or something. Oh, man, I wish the God of Weed would visit me. (laughs) Apparently it wasn't for long, because now he went back to fucking Snoop Dogg. (laughs) So much for that Rastafarian God. Another time,
1: another time. Another time. So they get to uh, discuss their futures and what dreams they can have thing I noticed, uh, I didn't notice the first time, noticed, uh, this time around, Kana asking Pets if she's going to college, and Pets doesn't actually give her an answer. She just, like, goes to back to eating as soon as Kana asks her that.
2: Oh, a little bit of a dodge there.
1: But, uh, she does end up saying that you can always just stay in high school forever. You know, just, like, wanting to keep things the same, which is another big theme of, uh, this season.
2: Yes, in a meta- metaphorical sense, very true. In a literal sense, absolutely stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Like, you You can't just, like, go and, like, rent out your locker inside a high school for the rest of your life. Yeah, because I'll say this right now. High school is bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) It is just
1: basically, like, prison. You go there, you do your time, and you leave, and you never come back and think about it again.
2: Yeah, plus it's very, like, hormonal and stuff, and it's, like, very awkward, you know? Oh, and by the way, if you did actually, like, try to, like, stay stay there (laughs) forever, you're going to be, like, surrounded by kids, like everywhere that you don't know as so you're gonna have to make new friends every year but hey metaphor really good
1: so the conversation comes back to Mosan as hijri talks about how motivated and determined she is even mentioning how like in eighth grade during a school festival Mosan stayed after school to work on basically everything and how during the festival she was practically doing every job there all right so coming off as like a really hard-working girl here so the next day, it definitely looks like all the work Mosan does at her construction job is now starting to catch up to her as she's just, like, overeating and, like, even passing out at school. So they take her to a doctor, Dr. Haruko, to be exact. Oh, yeah, gonna get a visit from the doctor today. Like, oh, man, she, uh, she was a nurse in the original series, and now she got promoted to doctor. Alright, not too bad. Working her way up the medical ladder. <laughs> <laughs> and Pets gives a, gives a really good line here where she says, sexy doctor really works for her. I agree. <laughs> And, man, we, we get this scene where, like, uh, before she even checks on Mosan, she just makes all the other girls strip and, like, during which uh, she says Hijiri's line from the first episode, let me see it, let me touch it, let me have it. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Haruko, what is your diagnosis? Pets has a nice waist, Hijiri has a nice set of knockers, Kana's forehead is what she's interested in the most. Oh, and Mosan is overworked and overeating. And I just love, during this entire scene, like, everyone is just naked during this entire scene. (laughs) I
2: don't know, it's it's a weirdly, like, framed scene where, like, everybody's kind of in silhouette behind, like, a big, like, you know, like, privacy barrier, you know? So it's, like, everything's in shadow and whatnot. Yeah. But it's still a fun, still, it's a little fun, energetic scene.
1: And we get a bit where, like, Mosan is just reaching out to the sky thinking about all the food she wants. And, like, I've seen people online compare it to, like, a similar scene in Evangelion where Asuka is, like, doing the same exact thing, like, reaching out while she's in her Ava.
2: Oh, there we go. There's the anime references right there.
1: So they take Mosan home and they hear from her mom that she's been working so hard all the time because she wants to pay for design school because her family can't afford it. So kind of gets the idea that they should all cover Mosan's shifts so they can help her out. And even Haruko helps her out, too. So we get a little nice little montage of them working at the construction. Site.
2: with haruko like supervising everyone too and just effing around i think you misses a spot
1: pets dear <laughs>
2: <laughs> these cones are not deranged artfully enough
1: however uh, Mosan mo uh, arrives and tells Kana to butt out because this is her dream and it only counts if she can do it so she has a lot of pride here
2: pride kills people sometimes but okay like mm-hmm.
1: have it yourself so yeah afterwards Kana talks about how Mosan's just being stubborn and that they were only just trying to help but pets does chime in and says you're not wrong but at the same time maybe we should have asked her permission so Kana is walking home sulking after all that, and her N.O. activates, but instead of a giant robot, out pops a little small TV robot.
2: Yeah, only robot we get for this episode.
1: And on the TV screen it says, leave her alone, so I'm guessing that means Mosan just telling her to, like, leave her alone there.
2: Hey, at least it's, it seems almost like a little, like, you know, like, jibe that, like, Medical Mechanica is like, giving her.
1: And uh, Haruko drops in and uh, takes it out with little, like uh, those little, kind of looking like lightsabers there.
2: Right, right, the little like uh, crossing guard lights they use out in Japan, you know, just like samurai
1: slices it. May the force be... <laughs> he cuts <laughs> it down. Yeah, it turns out like uh, this has been a normal thing for Kana, her popping out these little loser robots. Then we get the Haruko rap. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, hold on a
4: second. I've got a call! Hello, hello, Moshi Moshi. Hello, 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 hello. Oh, you're useless. Who even uses dial style up anymore? You got no dreams of your own, so you help your friends with theirs, yo. Oh, uh, you say you're helping, but who is it that gains, huh? Is it your girl or a personal campaign? Huh? Why are you rapping?
0: Let's get scratching.
4: You got no life plans. Say you got no dreams you help your friend with nosy schemes your ego's just playing that's what i'm saying your luck is toaster useful as a poster can't find the one thing that matters the most -er. it's a night to go dancing good yeah that's right i mean fighting good that's the trend i got no hq and i got no friends beating up the robots like they intend alone in this battle and i see no end. Communication is nothing goo, and transmission is missing goo. I'm afraid of the internet bashing
0: goo. Come on, freestyle! One of
2: the most random parts of this entire series.
1: <laughs> I, I just even love, like, even during that, we get kind of saying, why are you rapping? <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh god like it's it's what makes it too is that it's not even a very like well-constructed one either and stuff (laughs) it feels a little improv in parts you know but it's like it's it's a cute little moment it's kind of funny it is it's really good and like that awkward kind of way (laughs) especially in a dub like kari walgren like attempting to rap you know
1: (laughs) granted she does a good job all things considered right she just needs to work on her flow a little bit Mm and rhyming this does end up cheering Kana up as she goes to see Mosan in the middle of the night to apologize for butting in from before. But this time she asks permission to help, so Mosan does let her agree to be her assistant for the contest.
2: Yes, now they can work together to put out a masterpiece.
1: So they work non-stop, and the day of the contest comes, and it's time to announce the winner, but unfortunately Mosan doesn't win, even yeah. after all that hard work. But she doesn't feel too bad about it. She had fun building that dress with them. But when it comes time to show the wing dressed and have it modeled out for everyone to see, out comes Haruko instead, wearing Mosan's dress, and we have Yoga there out to DJ the occasion. So, like, ah, they set up the whole thing about him being a former DJ for just uh, for moment.
2: Yes, yes, I noticed that
1: the second time through. But uh, security does arrive and Haruko, like, uh, fights them all off and destroys everything before leaving. Hey, if anything, that just
2: shows the integrity of the dress. If you're, like, fighting off the police everywhere, <laughs> trying not to get arrested, this sh- this dress is the perfect thing to wear. It is both fashionable and sensible. 10 out of 10.
1: <laughs> and after all this, Mosan says she's disappointed in the results, but she's going to use this as motivation so one day she can become the next top model.
2: Top model or top designer? Like, I was confused by that. Maybe both.
1: Yeah, something like that. And we get uh, Hijri saying, Mosan is double awesome, and I agree. I
2: definitely agree.
1: So, on to episode four, Pit Pat. Up to this episode, we've been having a lot of moments throughout the series between uh, Kana and Sasaki, as it's obvious that Kana has a bit of a crush on him, and now it's time for all this to come to a head.
2: It's time for basketball. That's that's what it's time for.
1: We're playing bat. Skit. Bye. come on and slam <laughs> <laughs> so while walking to school of sees Sasaki training with the team but uh, Haruko's there too lurtin with him and uh, kind of feeling him up a bit you know, oh get, yeah getting really close to,
2: just had to insert herself in and be like a freaking octopus all around him
1: <laughs> she's taking the role of the uh, temporary basketball coach just so she can get close to uh, Sasaki but the real reason for this isn't because she's really into him, it's just so she can make Kana jealous to activate her NO.
2: Ah, just going fishing for some NO in this episode.
1: So it comes the day of the uh, basketball game as Kana and her friends are at the game so they can so Kana can cheer on Sasaki and they kinda tease her about this a bit unfortunately they suck at this game oh god this giving this is giving me flashbacks to high school and our basketball team being absolutely garbage <laughs>
2: <laughs> well like what, what was our what was our team like the best at like it, uh, i think our
1: best team was girls hockey correct girls hockey and football yeah
2: those are the only like good two ones we were really good at all others sadly like depressingly <laughs> got like no rub from the from the uh, students
1: like i was on the tennis team and like i can even attest that we suck there too <laughs> While the game's going on, Haruko is just taking every opportunity just to like get close to Sasaki. Even at one point, having him rub Liger Bomb, uh, legally distinct from Tiger Bomb, on her <laughs> leg. <laughs> And this uh, triggers Kanda's N.O. as she just runs out in frustration, like knocking down students' like bowling pins. Mm, she's feeling that N.O. At the Soba shop, Kanda is there as always, and he is now joined by the uh, Prime Minister, who's been seen on TV every time they go to the shop, and she's always having like these press conferences that always relate to the theme of each episode. And uh, the Prime Minister here is played by Erica Schroeder. You may remember her as the original voice of Luffy in the four kids dub of One Piece. <coughs> Wait... I forgot about that yeah.
0: entirely.
1: <laughs> right, good to see her still getting some work, though. I'm glad to see that. So they talk about medical mechanica and how their plan should take action within two weeks and as for all the pins in town. When you connect all the pins, they actually form little areas where the irons are just going to iron out everything.
2: Ah, like pins when you're, like, ironing something out.
1: And then just blocking off, like, this is the section where this iron is going to flatten and this is the section where this iron is going to flatten. And during this conversation, we find out that uh, Haruko and Kanda have a bit of a history. But uh, unfortunately, you theorists, he is not like an older Nauta or anything like that, But instead, he's just one of the many people she's come across just to utilize their Enno, only to find out that he's not good enough.
2: Starting with like a very like weird porno situation too, where she's in a the flashback
1: where she's in the bath and then like he comes into but she's just like reaches into his head to pull out like a little tiny ray gun. <laughs> I'm gonna
2: check you out,
1: <laughs> see
2: you see if you're okay. <laughs> then just puts like a little like head scrubbing like like thing on his head or something and just like and then Harco just like scrubs his head and tries to pull out like something but just pulls out like a little like laser gun.
1: Back with Kana later that night, she asks her friends to help win Sasaki over when they meet up in the park later. And then during this whole scene, they're all, like, in the back, holding up signs, like, trying to tell Kana what to say at this right moment. It's like assassination classroom all over again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: Show him your trunk.
1: <laughs> and I love this line from Osan where she says, if you push him down, you can get on top of him and mount him.
2: Okay, that's, okay, hold up, hold up. That's, uh, that's considered rape in most countries. Right.
1: <laughs> let's uh, let's not go that far. While Kana and Sasaki have their little chat, of goes all shoujo mode, complete with glittering eyes and, like, flowers and roses all around her <laughs> while, she's, while she acts all very princess-like.
2: Okay, I like that a lot. I like that little change in style in her face.
1: So Sasaki does tell her that there's nothing going on between him and Haruko, but uh during this Kana's NO triggers and she accidentally headbutts him during that like fit of NO uh, rage. Uh she runs off all embarrassed. And she's at home crying in her room and then Bunta comes in and then she asks him about uh, his girlfriend that he mentioned earlier. And he says, "Oh yeah, she's at the beach." And it turns out his girlfriend is a character in some cell phone dating sim. <laughs> Kinda of just has, like, the best facial reaction ever. Yeah, I'm just, like, the I'm done with life face she has right here.
2: <laughs> Literally, I'm done with life. Like, she looks like an old lady who's about to die.
1: <laughs> I just love, like, uh, the night this premiered. I, like, took both uh, pictures of her with, like, the face she makes here and with her, like, shoujo face and kind of make a whole meme, if you don't like me at my this, you don't deserve me at my this. It's true, it's true. <laughs> Oh, something I noticed during this whole episode is that, like, randomly, Pets uh, seemingly out of nowhere just trading random things with Mosan and Hijri. He trades, like, a handkerchief with Mosan and then a pencil with Hijri. Just
2: kind of sneaks right in and just like, hey, you want to trade? Hey, you want to trade?
1: While the gang chats together and find out why Kana's been interested in Sasaki this whole time, he has, like, a nerve damage and a condition which uh, restricts him from playing basketball and working out, and she sympathizes with him because she used to be very weak and sickly when she was young. And then during this, uh, Haruko and Kana have a bit of a face-off as Haruko tells her that she's too immature to have a relationship just so she can rile her up.
2: Well, it's working, definitely, because the uh, next thing you know, she's meeting up with Sasaki.
1: So they go into the uh, equipment room to have a little bit of a seven minutes in heaven here. When she tries to confess her feelings, uh, Basketball comes flying in and hits her in the face and knocks her right on top of uh, Sasaki. Hey, Mosan's idea, I guess, did work. So Hijri pets Mosan and even Haruko are all watching from the window and they're like cheering her on. Also, they have company. Piggy (laughs) Piggy. Kana is going in for a kiss, but uh, record scratch, the spark is gone. Just not feeling it anymore. Yeah, just kind of out of nowhere, not feeling it piggy there attacks and it reveals itself to be another robot as it eats Sasaki and then it powers up into a souped-up basketball bot.
2: Oh, it looks pretty cool.
1: And then we get, like, a really cool fight where Haruko gets into, like, some basketball gear and they have, like, a sweet basketball fight.
2: Oh, and, like, the animators really showing their chops for this, too. Like, the basketball animation for this episode really makes
1: it. It's so good. And then, the finishes where Haruko leaps up into the air and then just slam dunks the ball right in the bot's face and then just obliterates it. Destroys it in like a glorious show of animation. And then out pops uh, Sasaki from the robot and he's all good. All gooey and all dazed. <laughs> so the next day, Kana confesses to Sasaki that she really isn't ready for a relationship yet and that Haruko was right about her. She much rather wants to stay with her friends forever because that shouldn't be too hard, right? And then late at night, Steam releases from the shopping center as it reveals That the iron has come to town. Oh yes, it's about to wreak some havoc. So it leads into our penultimate episode, Shake It Off. I can probably make like a Taylor Swift joke here, but (laughs) (laughs) it's too easy. Too easy. So now time for uh, pets to get a bit of a spotlight as we flash back to the day little baby Kana and little baby pets met and became friends. Oh, and it's cute as shit, too. Oh god, just... So sugary and sweet, I got diabetes watching it. (laughs) (laughs) Flashback to uh, present day, as the girls along with Haruko are spending the day at the local pool as the days are now starting to get hotter and hotter thanks to the iron releasing steam. And Pets seems to leave the pool early and doesn't really come back to class either. The gang over here from the boys in class that Pets' family is actually rich and they're planning on leaving for Mars to get away from the irons along with the other uh, top 1%. Yeah, just like planning to like his, you know, turn, tail, and run. It's like that one trio of Horror special where they try to, they take all the celebrities and they go to Mars where they send all like the z celebrities to the sun. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently uh, Petsa's dad is actually a high-ranking government official and that Kana never really knew about that, but most knew. It's like, how
2: do you miss that after so many years of
1: friendship, you know? Yeah, right? Kana walks home and she happens to run into Pets's mom, who tells her that she left school early for a checkup, but she hasn't come back since. So they arrive back to their home so uh, Kana can get a look at Pets' room to maybe get an idea of where she is, maybe find some clues, only to find out that uh, her room is bare and it's nothing like the stories uh, Pets has told about her. Yeah, kind of like a big contrast with her personality shown this far. Realizing that she never really knew anything about Pets up until this point. And then things start to get really uneasy as uh, Pets' mom goes a little nuts. Yeah, kind of loses <laughs> loses a few bolts in her head. Yeah, just like starts grabbing Kana by the shoulders like, You know where my daughter is, right? Tell me. Tell me where she is now. And just goes straight up a horror movie on her. I know, kind of a weird little moment. So kind of runs out immediately, but bumps into Haruko as she stole Pets' mom's car. <laughs> <laughs> and they drive up together to look for Pets. And speaking of which, she's over at the uh, ruins of the Kami Center, uh, digging up through the remains, trying to find any mementos left in the wreckage. And there she finds a piece of the robot from the first episode there, which uh, starts uh, absorbing all the metal and machinery that's left in the building and starts growing and growing. into oh, a giant
2: robot. Oh, thanks a lot, Pets. You've just, like, doomed us all.
1: And the robot turns into a giant hand. Hey, that looks familiar.
2: Oh, yes. Looks and like it's about to, like, go right over and, like, claim its rightful territory.
1: And Pets is, like, trapped in the machinery of the uh, of the giant hand. So it makes its way to the iron as Haruko and Kana fly right in to uh, fight the hand. Too bad uh, Haruko isn't equipped with their uh, Daikon 4 outfit to uh, fight the hand like before. I know, like, they didn't really do any, like, costume like that for this series. I was kind of surprised. Yeah. So, uh, Kana is trying to free Pets while Haruko is fighting off the giant hand, and she asks her about going to Mars, and then Pets drops the pipe bomb on Kana. Uh,
0: Pets! I
3: heard you're going to Mars. Is it true? So I'll never see you again? I'm sorry. Why? Why didn't you tell me? It's because And it turns out, I didn't know anything about your family, either. I thought we were friends. If something, anything is bothering you, I'm the one that you're supposed to talk to about it. You can't just keep things to yourself, okay? We're friends after all, aren't we? We've been friends for a long time! You're so annoying. Huh. It's true, you're annoying. Huh.
4: Friend this and friend that. Shut up, it's lame. I can't anymore. Why, why can't you get it already? Like the time with Hijiti. do you call that being friends? You it, claiming to be helping her, except you're really not. Same thing happened with Mosan. You should have left her alone, but you just couldn't. She told you to stay out of it. And you said she hurt you when you were the one who had to pry. Who does that? You make things worse!
3: I'm sorry.
4: Stop apologizing. I want you to do something about it. And don't get me started on Sasaki.
3: Did you even know that I used to be interested in him? I never said anything because you liked him, then you just threw him away. All you ever care about is yourself! I am. no idea. Stop it! Shut up! I don't want to hear it! <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why I did it. Back then, why'd I say hi? Why'd I want to become friends with you?
0: Uh-huh.
4: Oh wow.
2: Kind of retech contextualizes any of the smiles she showed earlier in the series.
1: Like, I remember, uh, before the series came out, uh, her actress Marie Harrington even hinted at a moment like this because at like the Comic Con panel, she mentions that pets isn't all she seems and that there's actually a little more to her, like outside of the little random moments she's had. Oh, they weren't kidding. It's like at this moment, you can pinpoint the exact second when Kana's heart rips in half, and now. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, like, if you look at Pets' behavior throughout the season, you can just realize that all the little moments have just been leading up to this. Yeah, it's kind of been led into a little bit. So, like, after all this, just kind of completely heartbroken, just falls off the robot. But one thing I did notice is that Pets still reaches out to catch her. Maybe there is still some caring in there? Yeah, something might still be, some affection may still be there. Kana falls to the ground and screams for Pets not to go. She sucks up the giant hand in her N.O., just like releases a bunch of energy that is enough to uh, get rid of the hand. And then Kana wakes up on the beach, surrounded by all her friends, as Pets apologizes and says she isn't leaving for Mars after all. All's well that ends well. Swerve, that was just a dream. Yeah, no, nothing got mended. (laughs) No, Pets is leaving for good, but before she goes, she does take Kana's hair clip and trades for her own. So,
2: at least she does kind of want to remember her.
1: Looking at all this, I kind of have a feeling that maybe her just laying the verbal smackdown on Kana was just a bit of tough love, but also another way where she is leaving for good, and she just wants to cut ties so she doesn't feel too bad about leaving.
2: Yeah, I can sympathize with that. There have been a few people in life where I've felt that towards, you know, but just like her, though, just gotta be a bit of a softie.
1: We're on the home stretch onto the final episode of Alternative. So, the iron plans to activate in less than two days, and most of the town has just evacuated at this point. Like, yeah, the top one percenters leaving for Mars, and you just have people just driving out of town just to get away from the irons. And with Kana, she's just in full depression mode after Pets just has left her. And, yeah, Pets is gone. She never comes back.
2: Yeah, give the series credit. They actually did follow through with that.
1: And Kana is just lying in bed, looking at old pictures of her and her friends. Aw, precious memories. She just wants things to stay the same. Kana, along with Hijri and Mosan, they all head to the beach and they all look out at sea and shout their goodbyes to pets. Mosan and Hijri holding up all the items that uh, they traded with each other. While Kana just stares at her hair clip that she got.
2: Aw, oh, bit of a sad moment.
1: She laments on how she didn't notice what was going on with pets and how if she just closed her eyes and ignored it, maybe everything will go back to being the same. They watch the Rockets leave for Mars as Kana starts to cry, but uh, no time for tears as Haruko comes racing in on her trademark Vespa for the first time in the series. It turns out the Vespa was actually yoga's to begin with as he was uh, using that as a, at a soba shop. Oh, so still stole it in the end. Yeah. I see. She smashes right into Kana and then just chucks her into the back as it's time to go save the world as since the iron's on the move. So the plan is to use uh, Kanna's N.O. to suck up the iron like she did with the hand before. So they get to a cliff overlooking the town as they see the iron smoothing out everything in its path. Which is, I think, the first time we've actually seen that in the series itself.
2: Mm, yeah, they've always kind of just like started up or like prepped up to try and like smooth everything out, you know. Yeah, we haven't really seen it.
1: Yeah, tight now tight. we're actually seeing like the smoothing out process. Yeah, yeah. Kind of wonders what to do, and Haruko leaves it up to her as she's got to be the one to figure that out. It's her choice. She's not going to answer for her. And in comes an army of Contis that look a lot less uh, junky than before, and unlike Progressive, Haruko doesn't actually recognize them. She makes no reference to Conti being there.
2: Yeah, weird. Like you think she would at least make some kind of like passing reference, I guess.
1: She starts to fight them off, and even and Mosan to get in on the, uh, the fighting too. I love the bit where, uh, Mosan just, like, grabs one of the Spikes bats and starts, like, laying into (laughs) one of the robots.
2: (laughs) Hey, like, we still gotta, like, save the day here, so Kana better, like, combine together all of her
1: teenage danks to save the day. Yeah, so she, like, stands up on top of a car and just shouts out and vents all of her feelings. She lets it all out. She She tries to friendship
2: speech her way to victory.
3: wanted things to stay the same forever. I didn't want to believe that things would end. I knew that it wouldn't last forever. It couldn't. But I didn't... I didn't want to believe it. That said, it doesn't mean... Seeing it right. Why? Oh,
4: ah, come on. Are you so worried about what others think? Shout your feelings. You're 17!
1: Kana goes super sane? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Actually, no, she seems to have been infused by the power of Atomisk. Uh, she gets the little uh, symbol on her forehead. Right, right, she gets infused with the power, and now she's, like, supercharged. And funny enough, Harko doesn't reference this either. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, talk about the scene is that uh megan harvey she did uh ama on uh, reddit and she talked about recording the scene and she said that uh the scene is supposed to be a reference to like uh this japanese show where uh people would gather on top of this building and they would go one after the other to shout things they've always wanted to say
2: oh yeah i think i've heard i think i've seen that referenced somewhere before something like that i've seen that once in like i think no Basket. But like I, I don't know I want to say that's maybe done elsewhere though I though I went nowhere
0: it's the exotic reaction what's that She looks so cool!
3: All my life, I've been lonely. I longed to have friends. Because I didn't want to be by myself. I was terrified of not being liked. I was so preoccupied with what others thought about me. That I did things for them that they didn't even want. But I was the one who needed them. I got into fights with those I loved because I wasn't being honest.
0: Everything I did was an act!
3: It was annoying! I can admit that now! And I'm no longer scared of that being life!
0: <laughs> oh wow, are we flying? Did I lose weight or it's something? It's an anti-gravitational force!
3: Why, pet? Why leave? I'm never gonna see you again! We never got the chance to make up, and I never got to say goodbye! (sighs) What is
0: that thing? It's huge! There it is. The naked focal point. This power is beyond the scope of our calculations! At this rate, space-time itself will collapse!
3: I'm sorry! But, Ben... I want to say a proper thank you! And I want to say goodbye to you! Let me! We're still friends, right? I feel so sad, Ben! No, Mary, Mary... But... Even though I may feel sad, I like it here, and so I will stay.
1: And at that moment, her N.O. creates a giant wormhole and just sucks up everything inside. <laughs> Holy crap. This is how we're gonna go out. We get the ending that uh, confused a lot of people the night uh, it premiered. Even myself, I, w- I didn't know what to make much of the ending. But rewatching it again, I kind of—I think I may have an idea on how it is.
2: Yeah, lay lay a little knowledge on me, because I was a little <laughs> put off by this as well.
1: Okay, so this is my interpretation, and even the people who were working on it said that the ending they did was just so to leave it up to the audience. You know, make your own thoughts on the ending. All Thanks. right, go. So, Kana's NO managed to create a new world similar to the old, but this time it's all inside her head. Haruko, instead of getting sucked in, somehow actually gets sent back in time to when Foolie Coolie Classic took place, as Alternative is actually a prequel. Really? This, is, this So, this is the idea? This Haruko that we have here never went through the events of Classic or Progressive, which is the reason why she never made reference to any of those seasons, why she never had her Vespa, and she even didn't have, like, her little uh, Animus bracelet that always, like, rattled whenever he was around. Hmm, okay. And then, like, as she's getting sent back in time, she sees visions of Naoto. That's the reason why she was drawn to him in the first season, those visions right there. Hmm, okay. As for Animus itself, I believe that... Two ideas I had, where he was either created by Kana in that moment, as Adamisk is meant to be the the epitome of maturity, after all, and Kana did ex- exhibit a supercharged amount of maturity, so much so that it just may have created him right there.
2: Hmm, interesting. Not too bad of an idea. That uh, seems decently thought out.
1: Or, another idea I had in that moment, rather than creating Atomisk, Kana may have became Atomisk and still has the world inside its head. Oh, interesting. Not bad, not bad. And because of this, this leads to like Haruko wanting to like hunt down Atomisk because she was just so amazed and attracted to that amount of power she saw right there. She just has to have it.
2: Oh, interesting, interesting.
1: Or, maybe another reason she wants to hunt down Atomisk is because she simply just wants to see Kana and everyone again. If Atomus is of, you can probably say that all the times Haruko was, like, bigging up Atomus, talking about how he's all this, like, epitome of maturity, how great he is. She's just really talking about Kana because she misses her. Oh, maybe that could be it. Anyway, that's, that's like, that's just my interpretation of the ending right
2: there. No, no, that's not too bad, though. I was more just uh, trying to process everything together at the time. <laughs> like, I'm still kind of processing it all together,
1: even right now, but, um... Interesting way to end though. Interesting way. Right, very much so. And I just like uh really the thing I like about the season is that they don't give you all the answers just like with the original series. They just leave it up to the audience, which I really liked. Hmm, yeah, I guess I guess that is one point to give it, I guess. And with that, fully, coolly, Progressive and Alternative have come to an end. Final thoughts on them, both of these seasons.
2: Okay, let me think. Let me think here. Now, I think I may have to burst your bubble a little bit when I say that... uh, I think by the end of it all, now that I've watched both series uh, twice over now, I think the most I can actually say about them is that I like them. There's a lot to like about them, but I can't exactly say I love them as much as the original. And I say that mostly because... Um, there were two words I wrote down here when I was writing up for Fully Cooley here, and what I kind of thought about the original and the two thoughts I had here: experimental and cult hit. And I was kind of thinking about like, okay, how did this, how did these two series kind of uh, bring that idea together for you know this ride through? Did I really feel that they had as much fonder freedom as they had as as the original? Now, in the freedom point. I don't think they really i honestly looking through it all i don't think the animators had as much freedom this time around to kind of do what they wanted i think back to that i think back to that original series and i thought about how the animators could do literally anything they wanted and as such everything felt like so free to the animation and how the characters moved like there wasn't there was n- not a single frame of animation in that show that you could not like appreciate and but this time around i i kind of had this reminder While I was watching both of these series, that we're in the modern era now, and now things are a lot more rigid in the anime industry with how you budget things. Uh, You can't do that stuff as much as you used to. Like nobody can just give you like a big pile of money anymore and just say like do whatever you want. No, you gotta like you you gotta have like a plan like all throughout. You know, you can't just like do things like freeform anymore. I feel like Progressive was the only one that got kind of close to that. Like I, I felt like, I felt like that at least got, like, somewhat close to there with, like, the multiple directors they had for it, you know? Like, th- that kind of spirit was, like, pretty good there. But then with Alternative, I felt like Alternative took a lot less uh, risks overall. And I guess it made for, you know, I really wanted Alternative to be the one that I liked more in the end, because I thought the group dynamic between the characters was really good. But I ended up liking Progressive a lot more because it, it took a few more chances with its animation, because it did feel a lot freer with um, how it was presented, you know. And I guess, the, I guess the themes maybe came together a little bit more in the end. I mean, I, I'm not gonna lie, Alternative's ending, though it was very ambiguous, did kind of put me off a little bit. I mean, I can still appreciate that you can interpret it in a lot of ways, you know, but I guess I kind of expected more out of it in the end rather than just a big speech, and then just kind of world is implied to have ended, you know, and, like, with a big wormhole, you know? But I, I still think in terms of themes, though, There, what the thing to admire about these two series is that they do still kind of come around to the themes that made Fooly Cooly* what it was, you know? Everything is still ambiguous enough. They repeat enough of the themes to, you know, kind of get motifs going and whatnot. And I do feel like, um... Uh, the thing it's still very good at writing is uh, re- uh, the relationships between characters as well. Those still come through really well. I mean, that's why I still like both of these, these both of these series. I like all the characters; they do work really well. But in, but fully coolly, the original was such a rogue hit. It, it was like lightning in a bottle. Like I recognized going into this that maybe it would be a little hard capturing that again, and I feel like these two series only caught a little bit of that. So I can empathize a little bit with some people who say that, uh, this, who who put in nicer words, at least, that this, these two series were a little underwhelming. And I do, I do still like a lot about these, but, um, I guess, I guess what I'm saying in the end is that they, they could have done more, you know, they could have done more. I guess it's more of a reflection on like the anime industry in general that, um, you know, they, they, they could not, that the production IG, you know, just in the end was not able to get like enough OKs to just really go like, off-the-wall crazy with these two series. So I would like to think that the influence for that came from somewhere higher up, you know? But um, I do appreciate the animators for everything they did. They really had their heart in the right place. Um, the localizers did a really good job, too. All the dubbers did a really great job uh, with um, their acting and adapting the script. You know, I still thought the script was, you know, fine enough in the end for both of them. But I can't help but feel like something was... Uh, a little bit lost in both of these series like the spirit is there but i feel like the production value could have uh or the production could have allowed for a lot more freedom on the part of the animators
1: fair point you have the right to uh right to think that
2: yeah i was ki- yeah i was kind of like balancing through that as i was going through the second time around and i kept having that question of like why doesn't this feel as good as i as it did the first time around so I kind of had to come to terms with those feelings a little bit. But still, overall, I still like it. I mean, I still found many of the characters likable the second time through, so I'm very much appreciative for that.
1: As for me, I'm a, I'm a bit more positive, so I, I really enjoyed both the seasons, and I'll admit when the idea of, uh, you know, more seasons of Fully Cooly came up when uh, Production IG brought the rights, I was a tad skeptical about that, thinking, like, there's no way you can do Fully Cooly. Like you said, it was lightning in a bottle, you can't replicate that twice, but... You know, when the official announcements came out, I started to get I started to get hopeful for it and then I got more and more hyped as the trailers came out and I had great expectations for the series and for me at least they met those expectations and then some. The dub was glorious, everyone who worked on it deserves all the praise in the world, like working on something like this, like more seasons of Foolie Coolie and dubbing that must have been a huge challenge for them. And I just want to point out all the things that uh, each uh, season excelled in. Uh, For Progressive, they really came on their own with action and and actually having more of an overarching plot rather than being episodic like uh, Alternative or uh, Classic were. Oh yes, I agree fully with that. As for the characters, I really enjoyed Hidomi and Ide for the most part, but I can totally understand why uh, many other fans might not get behind them, but uh, I also really like Jin too, she works very well as a foil for Haruko, and I can also get why people say they don't like Haruko in Progressive as much as they as uh, they do in Classic and Alternative, because like, you know a lot of people didn't really like her, how she was acting, how she was using Hidomi and Ide how she was acting very immature, but to which I say, that was kind of the point like, it was supposed to like, all lead up to that moment where she learned her lesson in the end about that I
2: would argue Haruko uses people like, in general in the end, you know, everybody kind of like towards like some greater goals in the end.
1: And as for Alternative, it really excelled in the characters I feel, to me anyway, this had like the strongest cast of all three seasons. Like don't get me wrong, I love Naota and Hidomi, but like I said, Naota's a bit of a wiener and Hidomi came in with like a lot of baggage. But uh, I I adore Kana and her friends, and having a more upbeat and cheerful protagonist was very refreshing, and I love just love how she was just very chummy with all, everyone. Oh yeah,
2: I'll say it. They, the, the whole team dynamic there really makes that season,
1: and I love that Haruko in Alternative was basically just like their cool big sis who just came in and just helped them out whenever they had problems. Because like that was that's basically Haruko. She just comes in and helps people out, very Mary Poppins style. Right, right. Well, she she is pretty much the Mary Poppins of anime in general. <laughs> Funny enough, this uh, these two seasons came out the year that we're gonna get a new Mary Poppins movie later in the year. (laughs) Sadly, that will not be
2: like Haruko.
1: No, Emily Blunt. She can't uh, capture what uh, Kari Walgren has done with Haruko. No, she can't. And, uh, as far as, like, ranking the seasons, I would say... I honestly have to say I really loved Alternative. That probably might be my favorite season out of these two, and I might... that might be the one that I'll occasionally go back to and revisit the most.
2: Uh, if I had to rank them, I'd probably go Original first, Progressive second, and Alternative last. I'm gonna go with that.
1: For me, uh, as far as Progressive and Classic go, I would say it's a bit of a toss-up. Like, it all depends on, like, how I'm feeling in the moment. I can understand that. Like, currently, right now, I would probably say, like... I'll probably give it to classic, but on a good day, you can probably have me say I really like progressive more.
2: Hmm,
1: it just all depends on how I'm feeling. Right, right. I have to ask uh, if IG were to come out and say we're gonna do more, fully Coolie We're gonna be- go with my. They're gonna go with my fully coolly Christian idea. <laughs> 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 but like, uh, no, would you actually be interested in IG doing more? Oh hell yeah! Of course I would be. Of course, I would want to see like more of what they would
2: want to do with the series. How else they could tackle a story about teen angst from like different perspectives and stuff, you know? N- you know, like even though these these two series maybe, you know, didn't meet the expectations that I had before, you know, I would still want to see more. No other anime does stuff quite like, fully coolly, you know. No others to have that. No other anime out there has that sort of like rogue, like kind of rock star personality. Quite like Foolie Cooley, it has its own brand and style that is inimitable, and I would love to see it continued uh, more into the future.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Actually, uh, when I was thinking about how what would they do if they were to make uh, more Foolie Cooley last night when I was about to go to bed, it just like I just started I just started thinking about like what could they do and like so much so i actually had to write it down like my idea for like a new season that uh, takes place after progressive Ooh, okay so, like, you can have it where, like, Alternative ended with uh, pets going to Mars and whatnot. Have her uh, come back from Mars, back to Earth, and she just wants to, like, uh, maybe patch things up with Kana. Only to find out that the entire town is gone. Kana and her friends are just, like, all are all gone since they're, like, in that new world created by Atomisk.
2: Oh, nice, So, nice. like, you can have
1: her and Haruko uh, reunite and then uh, team up to try to, like, hunt down Atomisk so they can get uh, Kana, Hijri, and mo back.
2: Ooh, or even better yet, just, like, reveal later on that these that these two seasons were just prequels.
0: <laughs>
2: and then just come out straight up with a Fooly Cooly 2, and just call it that.
1: And then also I have another idea where, like, along the way, while they're hunting down Adamus, you can actually meet some of the old characters from the previous seasons, now adults. So you, like, have adult oh. Hidomi and Ide, Jin-yu, you can have eyebrows and his son come back and team up. Mmm,
2: not bad. And they all
1: join in, because, you know, Haruko helped them in the past, they want to help her now. Right. And then they can form, like, this big super team, and then you can have Adult Naoto and Mamimi, because why not?
2: Yeah, why not?
1: So, yeah, and then they can finally track down Atomisk, but then Medical Mechanica shows up, and they have, like, one big final winner-take-all showdown between this super team and Medical Mechanica.
2: Yeah, like, the the overall idea is that, like, I really hope the story doesn't end just yet. Like, I don't even know if there is an ending that could ever be had with <laughs> Cooley. Maybe there doesn't need to be, you know? That's, like, the one I that's one idea I've had before maybe it does need to end maybe it could just serve as a way to keep telling stories about adolescence and adulthood and how many of the expectations we set to try and reach that impossible standard of adulthood are you know overall impossible and idiotic to try and pursue and if at any point in the future they decide to make more stories exploring that i i will welcome that wholeheartedly
1: you can call like a new season fully coolie new wave Oh,
2: there you go. There you go.
1: You could do that. I like that. Thank you very much for joining us for this first big episode. Uh, I've been your host Mikey. You can find me on my social medias at Mikey Shiota on Twitter and MikeyShioda.tumblr.com. And where can we find you, Ryan?
2: You can find me on Twitter at Wolfishgrin and on Tumblr at Wolfishgrin. Just spell differently.
1: Follow the show's Twitter at anime underscore That's anime underscore And if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please send them to animebebepod at gmail.com. That's animebebepod at gmail.com. Thanks once again for listening. Make sure to join us for another episode next month. What will we talk about? We'll find out soon. And this has been Anime Baby!